here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Super J Cross. I'm Joel Abraham, coming at you from a hotel in Dalat in Vietnam this time. I've got a sleeping wife with me in the room, so if you have any complaints about sound quality or me uh, whispering throughout the podcast, then keep your stupid comments in your pocket. Uh, with me is Damon McDonald. Um, Damon, I want to ask you about your Twitter fling. How was that? Oh, <laughs> it was overwhelming. <laughs> like, I didn't know, like, this sounds like, like, uh you know 97 year old man but um i like the notifications were driving me nuts like every two seconds well first of all i think it shows the amount of love that uh we have in the fact that people do respond to what we post and people uh want our opinions on stuff so that's always pleasant and always nice and i do appreciate that but i do get um i don't even know i i, I mean i guess overwhelmed is the word to use and it sometimes freaks me out a little bit because there is one point where I had like four different notification apps going, like like messaging apps going from people. And I was just like, I literally looked at my wife and I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> and I just put it down and I walked out. <laughs> I walked out of the room. <laughs> so um, it was good. I mean, listen, I'm not going to make it a full-time gig. That this, You do it very well. Um, you you have that that universe, the, uh, the Twitterverse. Uh, well, uh, in under wraps, under is that what I'm looking for? You have it handled. Um, so I'll just pop in for a guest appearance every once in a while. I think the first time I went on was because we had uh, some issues with the with the audio the first time, so I panicked and I was like, I got to do something. I got to let people know that you know, the, the, like an, a second version was coming. So I l- went through probably our first conversations that we had, uh, where you gave me the password to it and. Um, it worked, and so I was like, "All right, let me do something here." And it was fine. It was fine. it was all right. You know, listen, I I make more of it than probably believe what normal people would, but um, yeah, I, I'll be in and out every once in a while. Yeah, the social media is pretty addictive. Um, I have been instructed by my better half uh, not to go on it so much. So I'm trying to uh, dial back on checking a phone and notifications and all that. But it is addictive. It is designed to give you a little dopamine hit when you see the little notification pop up and the little red numbers and that so I, I do sympathize with that um in other news a question for you damon do you think we should change the name of the podcast full time to the super sjw cast <laughs> i did not you showed me that and i was like who's saying what no what like i don't you know i mean it's it's really weird how people because you know one week we'll get our asses kicked for because of usually it's one of my dumb comments um, 
And then another week, we'll get another one saying just the opposite. So, look, I, all I care about is just being true to ourselves. Let's, you know, uh, and 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 doing a show that we want to do. And if if hope, I always said it from the very beginning. I I consider this kind of a thing where um, just my friends are talking about pro wrestling, and people just happen, and someone happens to be recording it. Um, so you know, I, 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 you can't please everyone all the time, and. As long as that we're not making fucking heinous comments, which we wouldn't, I don't think that's in our DNA and our in our in our makeup. Um, then you know we're gonna we're gonna do a show that we want to do. I hope you like it. I've never been called a social justice warrior before. That's the first for me. It really tickled me. Um, I mean, we could try and rectify that. Do you want to? Should we start abusing some uh, minorities and start being <laughs> hateful towards certain marginalized groups? We, we could do that. Hey, listen, you know. Uh, I don't even know where to joke about that, to be honest with you. Uh, I just, it's just, I just, I don't know. I mean, I guess if you show compassion, that makes you that. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. But hey, you know, listen, um, sometimes people hear what they want to hear. You know, some, it, it is amazing that we could do a two hour show and we could, we could just talk all the, the New Japan that there is a talk about and cover every angle and every little nook and cranny. But one person will pick out one, comment like the, the most idiotic throwaway comment and it's boom you know away we go um it is amazing what people sometimes people hear what they want to hear and you know that's i i can't i can't control that I, I, again my goal is to is to have an entertaining fun show about new japan pro wrestling that's really why i'm sitting here doing it and and why you know not for nothing, you know, and again, I don't do this to, to, to play the world's smallest violin, but, I mean, what is it, like 7 o'clock in the morning where you're at, um, it's 8 o'clock at night for me. I mean, we go out of our ways because we love doing the show, and it's fun, and I like talking to you, and I think you like talking to me, and, you know, listen, we'll make out once or twice, but it's no big deal, dude. <laughs> not, you know. I'm glad you said that, actually, because I've got a question for you. What is your, Uh-oh. just hypothetically, what is your idea of a dream date? Um, you, you know what? I, I, I'm a big fan of the let's just have a good time and, and, and have, have laughs and whatever that may, might look like um, at the time. I'm a big let's, let's, let's see what the night takes us, right? Um, I, I'm not a movie guy. Like I'll, I've, I don't think in my years of being on this earth have I ever been like uh, I'm going to take a girl out and, and take her to the movies. Right. That's just fucking that seems boring. That seems like a waste of time. Like for two hours, I don't get to know you. I don't get to I don't get anything about you. I just know that you can watch a movie. <laughs> That's really what I know. Um, so I am a little bit of a fan of let's get a couple drinks. Let's have some fun. Let's uh, let, let's have fun. You know what? Let's make each other laugh and then we'll see where it goes from there. OK, well, would you like to know the dream day of one Hiromu Takahashi? Well, I mean, listen, yes. I mean, why wouldn't I? Sure. Okay, so Hiromi said this was in uh, an interview. Uh, it's an LIJ Q&A from the New World magazine book. So Hiromi's dream date. We'll have hamburgers for lunch. In the evening, we'll go to a super scary haunted house. And that night, we'll eat some delicious oyakodon. And then we'll break up. And then we'll break up. <laughs> that sounds like every one of mine did. <laughs> um, uh... That sounds actually pretty rad. I would, I'd, I'd be down for that. But here's the thing: I'm not a big fan. Uh, here's one thing I don't like: I don't like being scared. Like I don't like people like jumping out at me. 
because I get really like at that point, like my keys are in my knuckles and I'm swinging. Right. I don't react well to being scared and frightened. Um, and it really kind of sucks because my wife really digs the Halloween and she digs um, all the creepy and the haunted houseiness and all that stuff. Um, and I kind of feel like I don't participate in that a lot. Like I just like I'm kind of I don't like being I don't like being frightened because I don't react well to that. Well, speaking of Hiromu giving us all the frights, uh, his injury luckily is not as severe as was initially reported. He says he's okay, he doesn't need surgery, so that's a big relief. We've got no idea what the recovery schedule is like, but uh, certainly all those bad takes off the bat saying, oh, he's never going to wrestle again, all the New Japan style is so dangerous, WWE style is safer. Uh, yeah. Good news. I just watched a two hundred. Yeah, I just watched a two hundred eighty pound guy fall off the top of a cage. I don't want to hear bullshit about a safe stop. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I that you know whatever. Um, that was uh, that's that is good news. And I saw the little illustration with the little things. Hey, look, he's 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 one of the uh, pro wrestling in ring work aside, and and trust me, that's ninety nine percent of my love for the guy. Um, he's a nutter. He's a he's just a he's a he's a fucking character. And he's great, and he's able to laugh at himself and laugh at life. And um, he's got a, you know, he's he, 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 no one on on planet Earth wish wishes anything bad on him. Um, we only wish him the best and and uh, good thoughts and good and good things. And it looks like uh, we're on our way. So speedy recover, speedy recovery. It's funny because um, he. Like when they do the the excursions, a lot of times they'll stay up here in in Jersey, right? Um, and I won't tell you where they stay because I don't know if that um, you know, I may have said it before in another. I don't know who knows, but um, they stay up here in Jersey, and I know the people that they stay with. Um, so like when Jay White was here on excursion, and uh, when uh, Evil was here, um, and you would see him all the time around this area working indie shows. Um, well, Hiromo was one of them, and and I'll never forget. The, the guy that they he, they stay with, um, he was like, he, we were, I was talking to him, and he was like, um, you know, he's going to be a star, like he, like over anybody that had stayed, and, and no disrespect to anybody who has stayed, but he's like, you know, it's he's like unbelievable how how great he is and how much he's going to be great. Um, and I, it always stuck in my head, and I like I said, I always found that very interesting that he made a point to say he is going to be incredible, and and he is. So um, again, wish him the best. Okay, let's go on to the serious stuff. We've got a couple of questions here specifically for you. Um, mm. Noah's penis asks, on a scale of 1 to 10, how hunky <laughs> is Liger? And Ewan Taylor at Slam 316 says, one for Damon, who is the hunkiest referee in New Japan? <laughs> so you want to take the Liger uh, off first. We... Give, me, give me a hunkiness rating, All Liger right. out of 10. I'll, I have a... Uh, I, I'm, I'm going... I'm going 9, right? Um, it's the mask. You know what I mean? It's a... It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, the mask does it for me. I, I'm going to be. I'm going to be truthful. I was thinking and, of that uh, photo it, with him unmasked early on in his career. That's a very hunky photo. You know the one I mean. Um, I have many. Actually, I might be one of the only people in existence that have a. Um, it's him. At, it's him at a babbling brook, and I guess in in Calgary when this was taken, when he was on excursion there, in Calgary, and it's autographed, but it's not Liger. It's Kishi Yamada um, autograph. And I have that literally right above me in my office. It's front and center. It's one of my most prized possessions because I actually saw him as Liger and I had a magazine 
with, uh, like it was like 1984 Young Lions, and he's on the cover. And I kind of looked at it, and he laughed, and he showed – I think he showed Kushida or somebody else, and they laughed. He's like, holy fuck, you know, you look young. And I was kind of egging him on a little bit to be like, you want to sign that? You don't have to sign it as Liger if you don't want to. But he signed it as Liger. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'll I, be truthful. I don't know many people that have a Yamada autograph, but lucky me, I do. And that's thanks to that uh, that uh, Eric uh, from Real Hero Archive. He actually gave it to me. Um, so that's one of my most prized possessions. I love it. Okay, and hunkiest referee? I'm sorry. Uh, I, I give him a number. I, I gave him a nine out of ten. Uh, and, and again, as a 50 year old guy, the guy's built like a brick shit house. Um, I could only dream to be that uh, referee. I mean, look, uh, does he have to be a New Japan referee? Um, yes. Mm, rats. Because I will say this: I do have a little thing for. Um, oh, I never get her. Is it, is it uh, Mika Lee? Uh, she's the Big Japan referee. You know who I'm talking about. You see her all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I do have a little thing for her, and uh, I might have I might have blown off Kenta Miyahara <laughs> to get my picture taken with her <laughs> when they, you know, at Corkin where they have the room and they have the tables, and she was there right next to Kenta Miyahara, and Kenta Miyahara thought I was wanted to get a picture with him, and I was like, no, I want to get my picture with her. <laughs> yeah, forget the, the ace of um, all Japan for a wrestler. Yeah. I, I want a photo with a nice lady referee. Yeah. She's awesome. She's the greatest. The way she does her counts, the way she uh, – I love her. I don't know why. There's something about her. I just got a thing for her. So, um, yeah, that is a true story how it blew off Kento Miyahara for, uh, for her. So uh, good on me. Um, so I'm going to pick her. But it has to be uh, New Japan. I mean, you got to go Red Shoes. Red Shoes is one of the greatest of all time. He ranks right up there with, like, with the Tommy Youngs of the world. Um, so, yeah, I, I got to go Red Shoes. I mean, the whole uh, – the red sleeve, the belt. He's color-coordinated. He's sharp. He's got the best facial expressions, so when he sees me naked, he'll just be like, ugh. Um, yeah, I'm going, I'm going red shoes. Okay, and a question for you from, I can't pronounce this, at Wallachian Tyrant. Uh, one for Music Damon. We knew, uh, we know about NJPW's Big Four, but I want to know about which bands from the legendary creation records you consider to be in their Big Four. So courtesy of uh, Andrew Rich, uh, at Andrew T. Rich and at Music of the Mats, we have a, a new segment of the show for you. <laughs> All right, kids, strap in. It's another Damon Music segment. Music Damon. So go ahead, Music Damon. Let's uh, hear your... This is my favorite. Your top four, your your big four from Creation Records. You should see the smile on my face. I am the happiest guy in the world right now. (laughs) Um, Creation Records, for for the kids who don't know, is a uh, late 80s, 90s uh, label out of London, independent. Um, they are, they had some of my favorite bands of all time. So, uh, the fact that this person knows creation records, um, they, I already owe this gentleman a a drink because, um, yeah, they're, they're, I mean, this, this was actually hard, uh, to think of. Um, all right. So I got to give four, right? Fuck. That's really hard. All right. Listen, Oasis has got to be on it, right? So Oasis is, is on that Mount Rushmore. Um, got to go Jesus and Mary Jane, right? Again, for those kids unfamiliar with the Jesus and Mary Jane, uh, think of like uh, the Beach Boys and a chainsaw and heroin. Right? That's probably the best description I can give you of the Jesus and Mary Jane. There is such beautiful, unbelievable, almost like doo Motown melodies underneath just walls of feedback. Uh, it's magical, and it's just something that's always connected with me. So Jesus and Mary Jane on that list. Now here's the tough part, the other two. So I went with um, 
I'm going to go Primal Scream because they did an outstanding uh, early 90s, kind of early Manchester ravey kind of uh, early electronica music, but they kind of meshed in a lot of different styles and, and genres. Uh, Screamadelica is the name of the album. So Primal Scream's on there. And then um, now this is a tough one because it's either My Bloody Valentine, which is uh, a revolutionary kind of album, uh, Loveless, unbelievable. Um, the guy went insane pretty much. He's like Sid Barrett of, 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 of Shoegaze. The guy drove himself nuts creating this album, um, which is a masterpiece, but he almost went insane doing it. Um, or Ride, which, again, another one of the fucking greatest bands of all time in my eyes. And uh, Andy Bell, who went on to be the bass player of Oasis. Um, or this band called Adorable, which not many people know, but they did a great song called Sunshine Smile. Right, early '90s, and I'll never forget my girlfriend Ann Duffy. Fuck you, Ann Duffy, because you still have that import CD that I had for that fucking single, and to this day I can't find it anywhere. So I know you stole it when we broke up. I know you did. So don't try and hide from me. Um, but I'm gonna go. Fuck it. I'm going. Nah, I gotta go ride. I'm going ride. So Oasis, Jesus, Mary Chain, ride, and Primal Scream. That's that's it. Great question. Thank you. I feel so great. Give me the out cue, sir. Okay, uh, now it's time for my favourite segment of the show. And now it's time once again for Joel states that wrestlers are in a relationship as if it was a verifiably proven fact, when it's more so just his idealised fantasy based on hearsay. So in this week's segment, uh, there's two things I want to look at. Uh, First of all, question, Damon, have you seen the golden lovers cd and particularly the the insert art on the the sleeve of the golden lovers cd i did i did catch a gander of that it was in a, a romantic smooch if i'm not mistaken between the two uh, gentlemen uh, uh kota obushi and kenny omega am i wrong yeah that that's correct very tender moment with them about to share a, a long lingering passionate kiss and uh, also to add to my mountain of evidence that i've got building um kenny omega referring to ibushi as ibutan in his post-match interview after night two which i believe is a term of affection so that one's in the bag for me and another one i want to bring to the table have you seen any of the videos from the Roppongi 3k photo shoot with show and yo man i'll tell you what those are some uh I, it was was that the uh, champagne cork corking, uh, if you will. Yeah, so if, if anyone hasn't seen this, it's uh, Show and Yo. I believe they're topless and they're both holding bottles of champagne, and it's shown from behind, and they're shaking up the champagne, so it looks like they're uh, masturbating and ejaculating all over each other. <laughs> this is this is a family show. Um, yeah, uh, look, it is what it is. Uh, who am I to judge, right? I mean, they are. Uh, uh, they're uh, the crazy characters, and uh, it's amazing what uh, you know a couple of poppers will do to to some kids. <laughs> what I find really interesting is the way, obviously, like New Japan have got a very good looking roster, but they're really leaning yeah. into it with the the homoeroticism, which is something that a lot of other wrestling companies shy away from. I mean, I'm thinking back to WWF in, back in the day. Uh, Shawn Michaels, you know, he did his naked photo shoot with a, the title belt covering his is crown jewels but uh this is something else entirely so this is something that new japan really lean into and obviously i'm not suggesting that show and yo are uh, real life lovers but i'm i'm making a case and i'm this is one piece of evidence and we'll see how it goes we'll keep tabs on that as the weeks progress yeah we're building a file 
Yeah, we're building a file uh, at this point, and there's a uh, little evidence uh, that we're collecting. So, um, yeah, but you know what, though? I mean, and you know it as well as I do. Uh, it is very different. In, and again, just walking around in Tokyo at night, um, it is different than, than the U.S. and, and, and some West, most Western cultures in that, you know, they have those um, – I don't even know what they're called. They're, I guess they're clubs, right? But they're they're designated for 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 men, and some are designated for women. Um, and so, like, if you're a guy, you can go into this club and and have com- quote unquote companionship, and vice versa. So, if you're a a, 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 a young professional uh, and you go to this club, you can hang out with a bunch of guys. You could pay to hang out with a bunch of guys. And again, I, I don't believe there's any any sexual contact of any kind, but um, it's almost like you're on a date, but you're but you're in the club scenario and you're paying for their time. Um, so it is a little bit of a different thing. Um, we certainly don't have that in Philadelphia, um, but you know, it's it, and and those. My point being is that I mean, looking at those guys, they're very. Um, uh, I mean, you know, they're 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 like showing yo right. So like when I talked about Rapungi three K. You know, I, I would look at the billboards and be like, I mean, they could be they could fit right in on the, in the junior heavyweight scene, right? Um, you know, with their shirts off and all that stuff. So, you know, it's I don't know. Maybe it's a little bit more accept. I don't know. Maybe they're just more relaxed. Maybe they're just cool with it is what it is. But um, yeah, I mean, they're 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 swinging for the fences with that. It seems like. Okay, so let's move on then. Uh, talk about this um, Minoru Suzuki 30th anniversary match with Kazuchika Okada, the 30-minute time limit draw in the rain, which we've both seen. Um, my biggest takeaway from this is that the kids, they love Suzuki. They were chanting Minoru the, the whole match, so they were really going in for him. Uh, what were your thoughts on this match, Damon? I love that. It wasn't a, a unique thing. Um, there is something about an outdoor show that just... Um, I don't know. There's it, maybe it's the camera angles, maybe it's it's the vibe of the crowd, maybe it's just uh, I don't know the fact that it is outside that makes it unique and it makes it feel special and um, it, it felt special. And then you add the extra element of a pouring, I mean, just teeming down rain. Um, <laughs> it's pretty awesome. And then you add the entrances and just everything. And yeah, like the, the kids, there were a lot of kids, and it, it was a free show, wasn't it? Wasn't That's it, right. Joel? Yeah. Okay. So I mean that's good. I mean, and if I'm not mistaken, when when Suzuki was promoting the show online and talking about it, you know, on social media, you know, he was encouraging families and kids, and he wanted to have them there. And you know, that's cool to me. I mean, the more, you know, let's put it this way: those kids aren't going to not remember that day. You know, they're going to grow up being like, oh, I remember I went to that fucking show outside and it was pouring rain, and it, but it was great, and blah blah blah. Um, and the match itself was 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 pretty darn good considering the elements too. Yeah, even without all the the extra specialness, the sense of occasion around it, and the weather and all that, it was a really really good match. So I don't know if it's going to be making anyone's match of the year lists, but uh, certainly a very uh, unique occasion, and quite possibly the last time we will see the Kazuchika Okada uh, Golden Rainmaker character, if you will. So. Um, Something, of course, we'll be discussing later on. Um, on the topic, did you catch any of the interview with Suzuki that went up on NJPW World? I know you gave me homework. I did see a little bit of it. I did not catch it all. Uh, but I did – this is the one where he was outside, and he was – uh, the one thing that kind of stuck out to me was – and if we're thinking of the same interview – uh, was him talking about um, wrestlers and the mentality that many wrestlers might have 
of again performing or playing wrestling and he's there to make money and and that's really what it's all about and and if you're not if you don't have that mindset what are you doing in this business um i i did see that little little snippet of 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 tape from him that's the interview we're talking about right yeah i thought it was really interesting i enjoyed him speaking about abdullah the butcher and using a fork to shock and excite people um what it takes to be a pro wrestler his longevity in his career, uh, being cool at his age, the universal appeal of wrestling, his popularity with the ladies. His favourite restaurant in the UK is Nando's, so that one was quite notable. I wonder if he's going to eat peri-peri chicken with Will Ospreay. I doubt it somehow. Um, And also it was strange but quite charming to see him being introspective and thoughtful and and also smiling and laughing. Um, Of course, these days most stuff that is uh, notable like that gets screen capped or gift and put up on Twitter immediately. But it is worth going out of your way to see this interview, I think. Yeah, I mean, the guy's had a history. Um, he's he's seen the evolution of what not only uh, MMA in, in, and how it kind of bred into what he is today as a pro wrestler. And I just love the fact that, that like he is one of those guys that he's not afraid to be – to be himself, number one. Number two, um, to to enjoy all elements of pro wrestling. Um, again, he is he. You know, looking at him and his matches and how he conducts himself in the ring, you might not think of him as, uh, you know, I don't want to go so far as to say he's Kenny Omega esque, but you go online and you'll see some of these, you know, the Mecca matches, you know, with the with the, the robot made out of cardboard, you know, and he's selling shit and. Um, and you know the match that he had for DDT inside an empty Tokyo Dome, uh, you know where he's kind of climbing through the ropes and doing his entrance, but there's no ring. Um, so he gets those elements. He understands that that that's a part of pro wrestling, and he's able to, you know, I put in air quotes, let his hair down and fucking have some fun. Uh, and again, I appreciate Suzuki for the badass smack you in the mouth, you know, just. You know, I'm going to brutalize you in nine different ways and, and, and eight of which you can't even spell. But there is also that little element of, of wacky pro wrestling that he'll, he'll drop every once in a while. And I think it makes it extra special because of who he is and the reputation that he has. And also uh, a shout out to Instagram Suzuki, which is all about the fedoras, the flat whites and the fancy socks. So uh, definitely a multifaceted character there. Question from Tyler Fornes at The Real Forno. Kevin Kelly kept mentioning that Suzuki was gunning for Omega at the Dome. Will New Japan put the IWGP heavyweight title on Suzuki or is it just too late in his career to see him have a run? I can't. I, I mean, especially when you have a company with, you know, more than a handful of people that are in their 30s, in their prime, um, that, you know, could take the reins at any time, right? So for, for me, it might be, and again, not to say that he can't go, but again, I don't know why you would do that at this at this stage when you have so many guys that are in their prime that can, I feel, do so much more for the company and the growth of everyone involved. So I'm going to have to say, no, nah, I think that, that, that ship has sailed. And uh, I don't think you'll see an IWGP run for Suzuki. 
yeah, I think you missed the boat there, personally. Um, I want to give some shout-outs to other podcasts that I've been listening to lately. Um, there was a very interesting mm-hmm. episode of the X-Pac 12360 podcast where he had Juice Robinson on. So that's uh, an interview that's worth going out of your way to listen to. And also the Jim Ross Report. He had uh, Josh Barnett on his latest one, and they were talking about all the fallout and their experiences at the Cow Palace show. And uh, apparently that the incident with Juice and Switchblade was a shoot. It, it was real. It was not rehearsed so um, I think it's interesting to go and listen to that and hear it from their point of view despite all the criticism they've got I think it's good to hear both sides of the story and also a shout out for the Kings of Pro Wrestling podcast at KOPW72 on Twitter because um, for me personally you can never have too many New Japan podcasts and I like listening to lots of other stuff so if you finish listening to the Super J cast and you, know, you need to hear another three hours in New Japan chat definitely check out Kings of Pro Wrestling because there's some good stuff there yeah, I think we're in a real renaissance <laughs> when it comes to uh, people sharing opinions. And I think, again, I joke a little bit that, you know, there seems like every other day there's another New Japan podcast that hits the airwaves. And um, and I joke about it because, again, you know, I don't I, I truly don't think that um, th- there, there can be, you know, th- that there's a stopping point. Right. I, I, if, if, if you have the, if the, the desire and the want, by all means. Knock yourself out. Um, it's not as easy as it looks, as you'll you'll learn. But there are lots of great ones out there, and I think again, um, I've named a few. You've named a few. Um, keeping it strong style, I think I, I, I've you know I've mentioned before here. Um, strong style central. There's uh, lions marks. There's 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 countless of them at this point. Um, so find the people that you connect with that that give you the goods. Hopefully, it's us as well. We're in that mix. Um, and again, I think the voices of wrestling. I mean, listen, we're on the network, but um, I think uh, I, I, I even te- I sent you a text. I was like, "Ugh, I'm I'm so jealous of those fuckers because they they they're really busting their ass doing content every single day for this G1, um, Lanza and Rich. So that's that's you know it's awesome. I I, I think it's a great thing. So uh, yeah, I mean, I have no problem giving the shoutouts. I hope it's returned. Um, but yes, I, uh, I I think that's a good thing. Yeah, the Kings of Pro Wrestling guys did give a shout out, and they were effusive in their praise for you and your music chat as well. Um, oh, speaking of delivering the goods, let's talk about this uh, Ring of Honor New Japan Pro Wrestling show at Madison Square Garden. So they wow. announced that on April sixth, two thousand nineteen, they're going to be presenting a show called G One Supercard live from Madison Square Garden. So I mean, my initial response to this was take that WWE. But uh, a lot of talking points come out of this. So things like the attendance. I believe the the building is usually 18,000 capacity, but for resting it's more like 15,000. What kind of card are we going to get? Are we going to get someone like CM Punk being booked? Daniel Bryan, there's talk of him might have re-signed with WWE. Apparently that's not official. Is there any chance he makes the jump? Um, Is Vince going to throw big money at guys like the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, um, to try and get them to jump ship? And these are guys who like to have control. So is that something that they would do? Is, I mean, this is a, a massive deal for them. Is it? Is it a bigger deal than Wrestle Kingdom 13? Because they're surely going to try to use yeah. this to leverage a better TV deal abro- uh, abroad in the States. And also the, we got Sacrogenesis the week before. So there's going to be some issues in actually planning the card. Who's going to be facing whom? Are there going to be any titles on the line? It's got big implications for that show. So... Are they going to be able to announce the matches in good time to boost the ticket sales rather than leaving them until the last minute? 
an, an well, I mean, I, no, go ahead. I'm sorry, you, you go. Well, I was going to say, nominally, this is a, a Ring of Honor, uh, New Japan crossover show, but how much Ring of Honor involvement do you want? How much do you think we'll get? I mean, Jay Lethal, as much as uh, I like his work, he's not going to be moving as much, many tickets as the big New Japan guy. So what are your thoughts on this, Damon? I have so many. I mean, and, and all the questions that you, you, you mentioned are all front and center, right? Um, first, I, I can't. I, I was so excited getting this news um, because, again, for for a few years, I had heard that they wanted to do an East Coast show, um, and and you can go back into the archives and and dig through that. So so I've always had that little whisper that that that's something that they all have always wanted to do, and again, the fact that it coincides with a massive pro wrestling weekend in the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area. Um, is vital to that, right? Uh, listen, I don't think there there is any. Here's the only doubt of of this show selling out and selling out and not selling out and not selling out quickly, right? And that's really the idea. Well, tickets go on sale in on in August, okay? So they're banking on the fact that Bucks Omega are still going to be front and center. Right, that's key. They have to be here. And will Vince throw money come January 2019? That's when. Uh, well, that, that's when we, at least we know Omega's contract is set to expire. Absolutely, you you know it. That's it. That's his. That's his wheelhouse. That's what he does, and that is what he has done for years. And that is um, that that will come to, as no surprise as them trying to woo as many people as they can to stop this from happening. For the first time since the 90s, the WWE feels pressure from an outside pro wrestling source. Make no fucking bones about it. It is, it is not only a, an, a, a major, I don't want to say a, 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 a slapping of the face, you know, in the old days where you took off the glove and you slapped them in the face and you challenged them to a duel. This is one of those kind of things that's occurring, right? There, there, I mean, to book a building that hasn't seen a pro wrestling event other than the WWF slash WWE in decades is historic, right? To have it happen on their, on their turf, we'll say, and I put that in air quotes, during the biggest week of their calendar year, make no mistake, Going a head to head with, let's be honest, the one promotion that is, you know, the biggest threat and where everybody goes is NXT, right? Go, they're they're going to go head to head. There's no fucking way that they're going to say, okay, we have Madison Square Garden and we're going in the afternoon and we're going to let them run the Barclays Center at night. That's not fucking happening. We are, we are swinging at each other's jaws at this point, right? This is massive news. That this will sell out. That I I really have no doubt about it, and I'm 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 sh- not shocked. I'm I'm tickled pink. This is you know there's a big there's a big difference between you know selling out really just about any other arena and the general perception of just like you said the big markets the big the big money big investors they see a sellout Madison Square Garden. And they might know dick all about pro wrestling, but they see Madison Square Garden sold out. This is a hot product. 
This is something I want to get involved in financially because I can think we can make more money because look at all the, the people here. Again, we're taking advantage of, of an opportunity where there are going to be loads and loads and loads and loads of people already there, right? And that's a smart thing. Um, it's historic. They have to load this car, though, Joel. This card has to be – this can't be a Long Beach. This can't be a San Francisco. They're going to headline with a major match, major matches. Um, they have to. Um, and, again, tickets go on sale in August, so they are kind of banking on a little bit of the name and the idea of them playing Madison Square Garden and doing Madison Square Garden. But they have to come here. They have to come here with, with, with all guns blazing. Um, and it's going to be a fun fucking weekend, and I can't wait for you to come over and join us. <laughs> yeah, it does line up with my school holidays. Uh, Mally has always wanted to visit New York, so hopefully uh, I'll be able to sort out flights, tickets, and join you for that. That should be a lot of fun. That will be a blast, and again, the the, the house is always open, so if uh, you, you're, you're tight for accommodations, I'm an hour and a half away. Just saying, if, if push came to shove. That would be a good idea because then we could podcast at the same time and annoy both of our wives simultaneously. Oh, oh my God. Imagine, imagine the, 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 the heat that would be in this house um, between, well, listen, you know what? My wife, we can, you know, listen, she'll, she'll show him a good, she'll show her a good time. Um, we're, we're, you know, just moments from Philadelphia. She could see Philadelphia, um, get some good food, some drinks. Listen, we'll take care of all that. We'll take care of all that nonsense. We'll get, we'll get her out of your hair. And then we'll do we'll do what we do, and then they can do what they do, and we'll we'll figure it all out. All right, so that's that. We're already planning stuff. But this is going to be great. Okay, let's get stuck into the, the meat of this episode, the G1 climax. Uh, first of all, let's talk about the press conference uh, because this is one of the most anticipated moments of the year when people get to deliver their fashion hot takes and how the wrestlers dress for this press conference. Did you see this? I, I, I didn't watch the whole thing, but I saw enough stuff online to give you uh, hot fashion takes if you need it. Yeah, go right ahead. Well, I've just got a few notes here myself. One thing that was notable was uh, Okada rocking the red hair. It reminded me of a, an Arsenal footballer from uh, t- just nearly 20 years ago, a guy called Freddie Lundberg, who dyed his hair red because of his love for the Arsenal. So I don't know if uh, Okada is a closet Arsenal fan. That's why he's doing it. Uh, but that was interesting. My winner, the person who gets the prize for best dress at this conference, has got to be Switchblade Jay White. His matching tie and his waistcoat and his handkerchief, he, he just looked very, very sharp, very snappy. So it's been a, an incredible week for Jay White and also in the sartorial sense. I enjoyed Hangman Page's bolo tie. He looked like a character who just walked out of Red Dead Redemption. So I think he delivered big there with a the fashion. I quite liked uh, Minoru Suzuki's hat. It reminded me a bit of uh, Kung Lao character from Mortal Kombat 2 who had a steel-rimmed hat and he throws it at people and chops their heads off and stuff. I uh, don't know if that's the gimmick Suzuki's going to be going for soon, but I think it would work. Uh, Juice's bow tie was pretty cool. And also uh, Tetsuya Naito falling asleep, which is his <laughs> tradition in these conferences. Uh, also, another notable point here was that Evil and Sonata did not refer to Naito by name. So just a few breadcrumbs there, maybe something to think about later down the line. So what are your hot takes from the press conference? All right, I'll give you I'll give you some quickies. One, Evil's jacket. I loved it. That was a badass. That was a that was a not a little callback spot here. That was that was a badass leather jacket. All right. I was digging that, number one. Uh Zach looking sharp as always, you know, look a million bucks. You know, he always does. Always, always uh sharp as a tack, looking great. Uh I don't know if I like the red hair Okada. I'm going to be truthful. I don't know if I'm digging that. That's uh, I'm telling you what, Joel. 
he, the man is the man is uh, he's he's hanging on by a thread. He's about ready to lose his marbles here. He's he's uh, I don't know. I said it. I, I this is one of my hot t- Twitter takes. Man seems pretty depressed to me. Seems like he's you know he's he's he needs a he needs a hug. He needs somebody to hold him. Uh, he's doing all and you know, he's doing all this wackiness. Uh, like it broke up with this girl. You know, the girl being the uh, the uh, IWGP uh, Heavyweight Championship. Um, he's lost. He's 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 all, he's all over the place. I Sorry to like interrupt. I mean, that's quite refreshing for me, seeing as other companies, when people lose major heavyweight titles, they just sort of brush it off, like they don't really care. So seeing yeah. Okada lose the belt and completely lose his marbles is quite interesting. Yeah. All kidding aside, you you are right about that. I, that I, that is, you know, to, the the fact that he. You, he wears it on his sleeve that he is in a bit of a spiral with the balloons and the and the the, the, the new you know the, there is no flash there is no rainmaker pose there's you know you know he's standing on the top rope staring out into the crowd like uh, you know he's he's holding back tears it seemed like at some point um, he's not the same guy right now um, and he's he's hanging on by a thread and I think that's a great element that that yeah you're right he does care that he lost his he lost his best girl. Lost his best girl. It reminds me of that. Is it a, a, an opera with the the clown, the great Pagliaccio? I'd have to check that one up. But uh, the, the guy goes to see the psychiatrist and says, "Oh, doctor, I'm feeling very depressed, very sad at the moment." And the, the psychiatrist says, "Oh, you've got to get yourself down to the circus and see the great Pagliaccio. He will make you laugh. Uh, he makes everybody laugh. He's the most hilarious clown in the world." And then the man turns to the doctor and says, "Doctor, I am the great Pagliaccio." So a little bit of that going on there. I think he's so desperate to be putting a brave face on it and smiling and joking with the balloons and stuff. It's uh, overcompensating for a man who's deep down very, very unhappy. Yeah, I mean, and we've gone from uh, uh, creation records to hunky referees to opera. We are the most well-rounded podcast you you people will ever fucking listen to. I guarantee you that. <laughs> um, okay, so got a question here from at rich carlson any tips for avoiding spoilers for the g1 i've got to be honest the ending for omega ricardo 4 being spoiled for me made it hard to invest in the match short of deleting social media accounts until september uh, other logical reasons to do so notwithstanding i could use other suggestions you're talking the wrong guy i don't have, I don't have social media shit um yeah f- take your phone and flush it down the toilet that's a, that's your best bet because here's the thing even if you don't have social media if you have contact with human beings that are pro wrestling fans, they're going to text you something, right? Something big is going to happen, and they're going to slip, and it's going to it's going to fuck it up. Um, I mean, honestly, take your phone and chuck it right out the goddamn window because it's yeah, it, you're 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 going to be fighting, you're going to be swimming swimming upstream on that one. Yeah, I would just say. Don't use your phone. Put it in airplane mode until you've watched the, the G1 matches that you're interested in. Uh, I've just looked it up. It's, the name of the opera is Pagliacci. And, uh, wow. It's an Italian opera. And it, the literal translation is clowns. Before, How I'm did sure you know you're that? listening to that, thinking, oh, he's got it wrong. He said Pagliacci. It's actually Pagliacci. And getting on the Twitter and sending me angry messages. I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of you doing that. How did you know that? Like, honestly, how did you? I wouldn't. I never e- would even get the reference. Like, like I wouldn't even know to make that connection. Where Where did you hear about this opera? Um, my mum used to play a lot of classical music and opera in the car when she drove me to school. She was a primary school teacher, and I I went to this, the school that she was teaching in. So we listened to a lot of that sort of stuff in the car. You are you are so much better than this show. 
<laughs> you you raised the bar, Joel. You definitely raised the fucking bar. Yeah, I'm giving away my agenda here. I'm just gradually going to be changing the show into an Italian opera show. So I've kind of shown my hand nice. there. Um, nice. Question: Another question from um, Tyler Fornes. He says, being that this is my first G1, I'm trying to get a sense of how the tournament tells its story. How much should I be reading into the opening round when looking into how the G1 will finish? I mean, I think the great thing about this tournament and as well as this company is that everything matters. There's nothing that doesn't matter. Um, things that happen in the undercard tag matches are setting up the next night. The things that happen in the matches are setting up the, the, the next round the you know, the next block, the next time they meet, um, you know, guarantee you, you're going to see more nonsense with, with Jay white, right? Now you're going to see more interference with, with, uh, the Tongans, right? You're going to see Tanahashi selling his leg for, the duration of this 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 um, tournament, you're going to see um, Okada struggling with the things that we mentioned with, who's you know who needs a, a big comeback in a, in the worst way. You're going to see Yoshihashi struggling to get points. Right, everything matters. Every and that's what makes it great. It, you congratulations, you you are being rewarded for being a fan. You have a company that appreciates you spending the, your time in watching their product, and they're going to reward you for as much as you put in, you're going to get rewarded back double. Yeah, uh, I would say the same. Um, although, with a caveat that the undercards, I think you can give them a miss. I mean, there is some good stuff on there. They've been quite short. The matches have been watchable, and they've there have been some fun little moments on that. But uh, I would say you could give those a miss for the sake of your own sanity um, we've got a couple of questions about undercut well I want to ask you Damon because you've been watching them more than me um, I haven't seen much of them but uh, Nicole Redo at Booth Leprechaun says do you think Shota is even going to go on excursion his tag match on night two was fire and for a hot minute I fooled myself into thinking he'd get the pin and a couple of questions about David Finley Liam Frank at Liam Anthony Frank is the chubby James Hetfield look he's now sporting the fresh coat of paint Damon thinks Finley has always needed and Ethan at Swamp Camelot what do you think of David Finley's new ring gear I see it as refreshing change and makes him look more than a pin taker so uh, your thoughts on the undercards and show to umino and david finley's new gear umino i think is a definite excursion um and i think that's a good thing because that can only mean better output from him and that's not to say that it's bad now right it's just going to make him a better more rounded performer um i don't think this is a drastic enough change for david finley um i mean i think this is not the coat of paint that i was looking for um, it looks, you know, just a, a slight needle move in in a, in a direction. I do like his jacket, pretty fucking rad jacket. But um, no, I mean, I don't. I mean, does anybody really see? Look, here's here's the the sad news. If you're a David Finley fan, this is unfortunately, I think this is his role and his spot, and where he is is where he is. Unless, and again, you'll know it. It'll be noticeable. It's got to be something completely different than what he's doing right now, and this is this this isn't it. He's going to be here until that change is made. Okay, uh, I agree with that. I think he definitely needs to reboot the whole gimmick if he's going to be uh, making any progress in the company. Uh, interesting factoid I found from at Guy Gaijin: the average age of G One Climax participants is thirty five point one. It's the youngest since. 2012. Kenny Omega is the 12th different wrestler to enter as champion. Hangman Page and Jay White are the 106th and 107th different wrestlers to enter the tournament. So I found that quite interesting. Uh, Who also did that? What was, the, what was the name on that guy? 
at girl? Guy Gaijin. At Guy Gaijin. That's G U Y G A I J I N. So there a lot go. of interesting facts on that account. Yeah, and good uh, job. Also, want to give a shout out to at Fraser Japan, friend of the show Fraser, who has ah. got tickets to every single one of these G1 shows and is going to be traveling the country, watching all of them live and in person. So hopefully I want to get him on the show and pick his brains to see how he's holding up mentally as the G1 yeah. progresses. He's, he lives in, he lives in Tokyo. Um, when I'm over there, he, he was a fan of, of the pure cast and he introduced himself at Yano's one after, uh, after a dash show. And he was there and he, he ponied himself. He just, you know, he pulled it right up and he fit right in and he was laughing and joking and you know, he was he was the he was the young lion, so we we were making him get up and get beers. Um and come to find out he's a very well respected person. I'll leave it at that. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give away anybody's gimmick. Uh but he he's doing well for himself. And um uh, yeah, he shared that information. He's going to every single G one all over the country. Um so yeah, that's a, that's a bucket list, man. That that is that he's going to see some great pro wrestling. He's going to have fun, and yeah, absolutely. I've already kind of given him the old, I, as the kids say, Joel. I slid into his DMs, and um, uh, I said, "Look, dude, you know we gotta we gotta get you on and get your get some hot takes." So uh, if I'm not you know not mistaken, um, uh, he, I mean, he'll get back to me. I'm sure, but um, I'm sure he's very busy. But um, yeah, we got to get him on. That, that'll be a, that'll be a that'll be a fun little segment with Frazier. He's a good guy. And also, let's talk about the Voices of Wrestling Pick'ems competition, because I was no. not aware of this. I was not aware of this. Apparently, I'm in sixth place, which I'm quite shocked by and quite impressed. And I would like to debut a new segment of the show called Joel Takes a Victory Lap, which uh, we, don't, we don't have a musical stinger for yet, but I'm sure we will soon. So go me. That's cool. That is really, uh, honestly, uh, they have about s- almost 800 people in this Pick'em. So yeah, I, I would... I saw after night three where I completely just, I think I got one fucking match. Uh, and I was doing okay until that point. And then night three just destroyed me. So I'm going to make a comeback. I'm going to be like Okada. And I'm going to make a little bit of a, of, a, of, a, of a comeback here. But yeah, I saw, I, I'm, you know how you kind of scrolling down all the names and the voices of wrestling form. And they have them all there. And trust me, I didn't have to scroll down very far. And I saw you. And I was like, that son of a bitch. Um, yeah, you're you're up there. You're like uh, you're in the upper one percent, my friend. So uh, yeah, let no doubt you. my credentials to be co-host of the Super J Cast. No, I guess not right now. Listen, we got a long tournament, and again, uh, I'll be breathing down your neck shortly. But uh, uh, yep, you can follow along. If I mean, listen, if you haven't gotten them in too late, you're, you're out of luck. But uh, you can follow along in the fun. And uh, again, I want to introduce introduce a new segment as well, uh, hopefully soon, uh, where we publicly shame people in the lower three uh, percent uh, of names that we know, I mean, only people that we know, and can take the ribbon. Um, but if there's people we know, and you fall on that lower three percent, you're going to get it. You're going to hear it from us. We're going to publicly shame you, and uh, uh, all in good fun, though. Of course. You got any names right? for me? Uh, who's some of the names that I saw? I saw, well, listen, one of my Australian pals, she's falling apart. Claire, what are you doing? You're, you're killing me here. She's, she's right down there in the, you know, in the middle bottom pack with me. Seven points. Uh, not doing too well. She's usually really good, though. Um, who else did I see? Um, I know Mort, Mort v, uh, Morton VH, who, who uh, is part of the Real Hero, former Real Hero archive. And uh, I got to give a plug to his site. I keep forgetting it. Pure, pure revolution. What is it? I forget. I'll, I'll make sure I give a shout out. He was, again, the former Real Hero helper. Um, and he's doing very well. 
But who did I see that wasn't? Brian Rose? I, I see Brian one. Rose. Oh, okay. You got a name? Give me one. Give me this uh, public shame. Th- this is my mate, Alan, from my other podcast, The Smartcast. He, he went to Rescue Kingdom 12 with me. He is oh. languishing in 731st place. So, Alan, what are you doing, mate? Wow. Wow. <laughs> and you know what? Listen, I listen. I, 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 he's, on the, he's on the Smartcast, right? Correct. Uh, I listen. I listen to that show. Um, so, yeah, look at that. That's not, that's not, you know, come on. Let's go. Shape up. Let's go. Uh, you, Dan, and, uh, okay, listen, you got you to get this guy into shape. You got to whip him, whip him into shape. Embarrassing. Embarrassing. You're embarrassing, Joel. Joel, Joel's sitting up there at the top. If you keep this up. Yeah, you're going to get relegated. You're going to be in fucking uh, Champions League. <laughs> or uh, what is it? What is it? Is it Champions League? The Championship. Ah, see? All right. I was close. I was close. You got to give me credit for that, the, right? The hey, listen, we do... The Championship is the one below the Premier League. Okay. Well, that's where he's going to get relegated to. He's going to be uh, sent down. So, uh, snap, you know, shape up. Um, and listen, while we're on the subject, listen, my condolences. Uh, I know you were excited. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. It's not coming home, Joel, unfortunately. But uh, you know what? Maybe next... Mm, I'm sorry. Maybe that's four years. Sorry about that, pal. Well, that's okay. I, I think we put a good effort on... We definitely over-delivered, and the team's got a lot of flaws in it, so I think we overachieved considering the tools we have at our disposal. So I wasn't too upset about it. I was happy to compartmentalise that and move on and get ready and be excited for the G1. Um, so let's get right into these shows. Um, first of all, what did you think of the three-man booth with Kevin Kelly and Don Callis and Rocky Romero? I thought night one they did an absolutely outstanding job. Um, I would... Again, I, I gave a hot take on the Twitter machine um, where I mentioned, you know, a, a great commentary team. Uh, and the definition of that is someone who can get me emotionally invested in a Yoshihashi match. And they absolutely did. Um, I thought they did an outstanding – I think they've done an outstanding job all the way through. I know Callis, um, he, he left for night three, and it was just Rocky and, and, and Kevin Kelly. But I think – Though, honestly, I haven't – and here's here's probably the best compliment I can give. And, again, I haven't heard a Super J-Cast shout-out, but, but that's okay. Well, we're we'll wait. It's a long tournament. I understand. Um, it's coming, I'm sure. Uh, the one thing that I'm like, you know, it, it, it – th- they uh, – they, th- I have not listened. This is the compliment. I have not listened to the Japanese commentary once. I've done all English because they're they're doing that good of a job, right? And I think that's the best compliment I can give them um, is that and, – and I have no desire to. I think they're, they're doing exactly what needs to be done at really just about every moment. There was one moment on, on, on night three that just passed. It was the Makabe-Suzuki match. And Makabe and, and them are brawling in the crowd, and, and, and Makabe's taking an ass-kicking and, and giving one back. And Kevin Kelly shouts at the top of his lungs, that man is an ass, or what are you saying? That man's an ass kicker or something like that. I was like, go fucking get him, Kevin Kelly. Uh, that was great. Um, I mean, even little subtle things, like when Suzuki's coming around the the, the table and Don Cale squeals, like a, like just, just like trying to get out of his way, scared out of his mind. That was great. That was a great moment. And again, the way that they get over every little element of, look, I like pro wrestling when they treat it like a sport. I do. I'm sorry. I, that's 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 my wheelhouse. That's why I enjoy it. And I think that that all three of them 
to to and they're and they're in sync and they have synergy and chemistry and um look uh, truth be told I think it's a it's an absolute crying shame and again I say this as you know, and again he puts us over and he's very kind to us and kind to just about everybody he talks to but it's an absolute travesty of justice that Kevin Kelly if if Kevin Kelly doesn't win announcer of the year it's an absolute fucking travesty that 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 he one didn't win it last year and he better win it fucking this year because um he is to me head and shoulders above anybody else uh anywhere and that includes NXT in, in, in the country right now. Uh, um, there's, there's, there's no one better than, than Big Kev. Yeah, here, here. I think with a lot of commentators, the longer you spend listening to them, you start to notice little flaws and things that annoy you and things that are not so good. But with Kevin Kelly, it's the opposite. He just seems to get better and better as time goes on. So uh, he would definitely get my vote. Not that anyone's asking me. Um, but let's get stuck into these block matches then. We've got 15 to talk about. Um, July 14th at Oath City General Gymnasium in Tokyo. First of all, we have Togi Makabe beating Yoshihashi in the opening match of A Block. What did you think about this? You know, I heard a lot of people kind of, sh- not shitting on, but, you know, not overly wowed with Night One. And I thought Night One was pretty decent. Um, I really, I liked the Yoshihashi match. Um, again, he's going to struggle. To I mean, I I I think I have him down to this, you know something ridiculous like two points or I might have him at four points or I might even have him at six maybe. Um, now I will say this: I had him winning this match um, on my pool. Look, he I, I look he is, and I've said it before, and I hate to beat the dead horse. He is just as boring as a fucking bag of socks. The minute from the minute he. He moves the curtain. He steps out to the minute his his ass goes between the ropes and the bell rings. But truth be told, the guy can fucking go in the ring, and he can have good matches to almost really good matches, right? I don't want to go so far as to give him you know, great and throw fucking snowflakes on him, but he is he can deliver a really good match. And against Togi Makabe, who, let's be truthful, you know, when was the last time you saw him in a singles match, right? So... He put on a performance that, you know, look, I wasn't looking for a world beater, right? I wasn't looking for, you know, again, seven stars out of Togi Makabe. But I thought for his first match, you know, singles match, having to get the tap in the shoulder and get out there and, and, and perform, I thought he did remarkably well, all things considered. The thing about Yoshihashi, like, you, you ever have those dreams where you're doing an exam at school and you haven't revised and then you realize you've forgotten to wear any trousers, Yes, all yeah. the time. Actually. That's what Yoshihashi's face looks like constantly. As soon as he comes out of the curtain, he's just like, "Oh my god, what am I doing here?" And he looks like he's about to break down. Um, and this was probably the worst G one match on paper for either blog for the whole tournament. And it was interesting that they chose this one to start off the whole thing. Um, both guys should be fighting to prove that they deserve to be in the G one. For the first half of the match, I thought they were doing the opposite. I, I found the first half of the match really boring it was just endless forearms to the face but then it really kicked off in the second half Makabe bumped way more than I thought he would so respect to him um, another complaint with Yoshihashi is the butterfly lock which I've mentioned before it's just not over as a finisher it doesn't mm. look painful I wasn't buying it as a near fall but there was some decent looking offence from Yoshihashi I really liked him doing the fighting spirit spot uh, no selling the release German suplex and the finishing stretch was pretty exciting but Again, the first half was really plodding, and this was nowhere near as good as the Yoshihashi Yuji Nagata match that opened the G1 last year. And 
if you want to do something with Yoshihashi, this was a missed opportunity to get him over. I mean, you could have run through Makabe to get people talking and saying, hey, you know, he is, wants to be taken seriously. But having him lose the opening match, I mean, who else is he going to beat in this tournament? So um, a, a mixed bag from this match. Yeah, and again, we talked about the commentating. They, they helped this match tremendously in the sense of, you know, they talked about the struggles that Yoshihashi has. Um, and then... You know, as the near falls are coming, they're they're selling it like holy shit, he's gonna fucking do it. And 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 helped me again that turn the corner on the second half of this match to really kind of make it a winner in my eyes. Um, again, helping me along in the process to really get behind Yoshihashi to pull out the fucking win. Um, I don't know what you do with the guy, man. I mean, I, I look, he, he is who he is, and. <sighs> Uh, I, I mean, you can't. I mean, you stick him in a tag, and whoever you stick him with is the kiss of death, right? Um, I, I don't know what you do with him. Uh, but here, here's here's what I really think. He where he winds up, he might not come out with with you know, um, uh, you know, seven. He's not gonna. He's not gonna. Uh, uh, the over under is six. Does does he go below six? Is he or does he go over six points? I my prediction at the start was that no one was going to get fewer than six points, but given his trajectory so far, I can't see him getting more than four. To be honest, I mean, who else is he going to beat in this tournament if he can't beat uh, Togi Makabe, who is the weakest person in the block, and he lost to Evil on night three? Who's he going over? I mean, this screams to me though. Is this screams to me? He's he's going to beat somebody that he has absolutely no right on paper beating. Just to, to like be the spoiler guy to kick somebody out of contention, like that's where I see him. I I I really think he's going to get one of those fucking. I can't believe he beat this guy to fuck them over from advancing. That's the role I see Yoshihashi playing. Yeah, it could do. Um, I mean, I'm, he's not going to end with zero points, so he is going to beat somebody. And given the big names that are left on his calendar, yeah, he will have to win some matches that you wouldn't expect him to win. Um, okay, let's move on to the next match then in A Block. Uh, Hangman Page beat Bad Luck Farley by DQ. So we'll start with the good stuff. I, I liked Bad Luck Farley's new T-shirt that said fuck him on the front. That's a good one. <laughs> and I got mixed feelings about Hangman Page's new spaghetti western theme, again, continuing the the, the sort of cowboy theme he's got going on there. Uh, I thought this was good matchmaking following the Bullet Club angle. It was a match that I was interested in seeing. And, and Page is not the most charismatic guy. I think largely he's here to take the big bumps, but he's got a really big chance in this G1 to get himself over with his athleticism. And he's really doing that so far with the big spots, uh, like he did moonsault to the outside. That was really cool. Um, Farley, he's lost a lot of weight, but he hasn't seemed to have changed his in-ring style at all. There's still lots of crowd brawling, lots of slow power spots. And then there was the interference. Uh, the camera missed Tangelo appearing at the start. And personally, this is something that I don't want to see in a G1. I don't want interference. I don't want these screw finishes. And this whole thing was a mess. It was like Vince Russo stuff. It was peak WCW level shit. Like, why is Bad Luck Farley throwing away two points? Like, why even enter the G1? Surely he's entering the G1 because he wants to win it and he wants to go on to main event Wrestle Kingdom and win the title. And this is a guy who is usually getting 10 points or 12 points. So at the end of the day, this two points that he's thrown away is going to cost him. And that's what annoyed me about this. Um, also, why is Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi and Chase Owens helping Hangman Page after all that Page has done to um, particularly Omega and Ibushi earlier on in the year? Like, suddenly they're all best mates now. I don't think the finish of this helped Hangman Page. As a G1 debutant, you want to be doing all that you can to get him over. Um, 
I would have rated the match higher. I thought it was a pretty decent match if it weren't for the screwy finish because um, I was enjoying it until the run-in. But I did see enough from Hangman Page to make me optimistic for the rest of the G1 because the crowd were pretty cold at first, but he did a good job getting them invested. So your thoughts on this? Also question Tyler Fornessa. We all know the DQ finish with Farley and Page to continue the Bullet Club story up. It feels like this hurt Page in his G1 debut. So was this a mistake? And your thoughts on the match? Well, I mean, look, I hate to I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you're we're going to see a lot more of, of this kind of shit with the Tongans, right? We're going to establish them as just, you know, not giving a shit. They're going to hurt as many people as they possibly can along the way to help eliminate other former Bullet Club members or current Bullet Club members. It's very confusing to be honest with you. This is the one thing where I'm I'm like they're Bullet Club, but they're not Bullet Club and the way Don Callis was describing it, it was like well, they're just an offshoot of the Bullet Club, but they're still Bullet. And I'm like, what? How can they? What? Um, so, yeah, I, look, we're going to see a lot of it. I, I, I got a strange feeling that – and here's the thing, too. I know a lot of people are, are up in arms and are like, well, you don't want to fucking spoil my G1. Blah, blah, blah. Look, we've had it every year. Every year you've had Bullet Club nonsense, right, um, and, and bullshit. And every year you hear the same complaints. I don't want this to spoil my G1. Well, listen, then get rid of the fucking Bullet Club because you had it all the time. They did um, it last year. Um, I can I can remember of more than once of complaining about it. And I've kind of just resigned to the fact that it's, it, it's going to happen in G1. I could have sworn it happened last year and the year before and the year before, right? I mean, there's... There's always been some level of Bullet Club bullshit, right? I'm almost certain. I can't. I know. I know. You're like, well, name one. I can't fucking do it right now. <laughs> right? But I can. I'm. I'm. I'm pretty certain that I've complained about it before. Um, I did. I. Look, that being said, I hated the DQ finish. I hated it. Um, and and they spoiled what I thought was a, a halfway decent match. And I think Hangman, Hangman Page. You know, if you're looking for. Um, underrated or guys that are falling under the radar so far, but are still having really hustling and 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 hardworking performances. He's got to be at the top of the list. Um, he's gone from a guy that I I could very easily hand wave and very easily reach for the fucking fast forward button to a guy that I don't I don't listen. I'm not like going out and buying a, a friggin' Hangman Page T-shirt quite yet, but you know if he's on, you know I'm 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 interested. Especially singles matches, um, so I hated the finish. I thought it was it was shit. I thought it was everything that you described. It's everything that I agreed with. You know why? Why would you do this? But again, I, I just I kind of see this as well. You know, you've seen it in in the past couple nights where you know interference and shenanigans and bullshit nonsense interference. It's you know we're I, again I, I hate to say it, but we're going to see a lot of it. Yeah, I, I fear that you are correct. Um, well, let's move on to the, the next match then. Uh, Michael Elgin defeated Evil. What are your thoughts on this? Look, I get why people might not want to invite Michael Elgin over for dinner. I understand, right? I, I get it. Um, and, and, and I'm not going to tell you who to like and what to like and what you should fucking turn a blind eye to and what you should... I'm not going to do that. That's not, that's not what's going to happen here. But what I will say is this. It is undeniable that that guy doesn't go out there every single... It doesn't matter if he's the first match. It doesn't matter if he's the third match. It doesn't matter if he's the main event. The guy busts 
his ass out there every single time he's out there. And you got to tip your fucking cap to the guy, at least for that, right? And and I I thought, to me, you know, this match, and again, as we move forward in, in, in the tournament, I love them. I thought I think they have a really nice chemistry together, Evil and 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 Elgin. I really do. I um I, I think that those they're, they're kind of cut from the same cloth. The way the way Elgin delivers those those forearms, oh, he just I, I, him and Suzuki, those two guys deliver the the most unbelievable forearms. Um, I think in pro wrestling, not chops, forearms, just just the thud and the smack is really great. It's like a baseball bat hitting a side of beef. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's really what it is. He just lays them the fuck in there, and they're great. Um, and again, I think um, this, the the dropping of the weight has helped him. Right, he's gotten a little bit more nimble, a little bit more agile. Still, power moves galore. Um, and I think Evil is great. I think Evil is really fucking great. Um, look, uh, of of anybody in that A block. You know you're going to get a guy that hustles his ass off with Elgin, um, and then evil, evil too. So, you know, I, I, a lot of people are are. I don't want to say they're down on a block, but I, I look, I could watch those matches all day long, and and I've yet to be disappointed with either of those two ma- those two guys and those two matches. It was a really interesting layout to the match because they were building it around uh, attacking Elgin's right bicep. Uh, My slight complaint would be that the selling was somewhat inconsistent. It was abandoned by the closing stretch with Elgin still doing all his big power moves. But to be honest, the last five minutes were so good that I didn't really care at that point. And I I thought it was great, really exciting stuff, Uh, even though it did take a while to get going. But uh, the finish more than made up for it. Uh, Give me stars. Give me me stars. I went three and a half. You went three and a half? Yeah, I'm Yeah. I'm not quite hitting four. I'm probably just a smidge below four, but yeah, I, I'm, 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 we're in the same ballpark. Okay, good. Okay, next match, we've got Hiroshi Tanahashi beat Minoru Suzuki. Now, I fucking love this match, uh, even though Suzuki does lose points for me for not bringing out his Rev Pro belts, but just the opening when it was awesome, it felt like they carried on where they left off at New Beginning. It was just like... Yep bang that's it the, the match has continued and uh, there's just something about the way Suzuki scuttles around the ring that I absolutely love he's like a like an evil chimpanzee uh, there's something about it maybe the fact that his neck doesn't move the kind of sort of stiffness about it but it's just really quite sinister quite intimidating and these are two absolute masters of their craft they're making a compelling match out of what was mostly rest holds punctuated by some high paced action but most of it was in submissions but the way that Suzuki's chaining them together in the way Tanahashi's selling that made the submission attempts really dramatic uh, to me Suzuki just seems to be getting better and better with age it's it's remarkable really how good he is and how much better he is this year than last year he seems like a totally different wrestler to last year one makes me wonder if maybe he was injured last year but he is definitely in my top five for wrestler of the year so far and I've never heard him scream like he did when Tanahashi mm. caught him I think it was, was it with a, a dragon screw dragon screw yep yeah uh, so Will Ospreay take note um, now also again if I'm going to have a slight complaint about this Tanahashi selling was also con- inconsistent but Ooh. what I would say is this right um, I play football I've got a seven aside team and one time I got kicked well I got kneed in the shin and as soon as it happened I was in absolute agony and I was like ah fuck he's broken my leg that's it I'm done I'm never going to be able to walk again but then five minutes later it was absolutely fine and I didn't feel any pain and I was able to continue so 
there is something to be said for that, that just because someone's been working over a body part earlier, it can recover. So I don't think we can necessarily have to demand that they're selling that for the rest of the match. I'd like to hear your thoughts on that as well. But overall, I thought this was an awesome match. I couldn't take my eyes off it. These two have just got unreal chemistry. And f- considering it was quite a short match, I thought it was pretty much perfect for, for the time it went on. And I love Suzuki limping out of the ring uh, on his one good leg and, and throwing El Desperado away and refusing his help. So what did you think about this? So the the only disagreement that I would have is I, I, I personally thought Tanahashi's selling made the match. You know, to me, that was uh, like a... a, a uh, look, they're, they're two masters of their craft, right? Um... But, uh, but but Tanahashi's selling to me is is just like a work of art. It's 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 masterful. It's intelligent. It's smart. Yes, I, I get some of the, the critique of it of you know magical comeback blah 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 blah. Uh, but I thought it was on point. I thought and I thought again, just like you said, it w- it did feel like a carryover from New Beginning. It was just like we're starting again. Um, the second point is Suzuki. You know, he worked over the leg the majority of of the match, but it was really just the the one fucking faux pas, the one fucking slip of the of, of not banana peel, but the one fuck up it, that dragon screw where he sold it like like he is his his hamstring had been ripped from his leg, um, and then you know it wasn't you know it wasn't like a long drawn out process. I love that they almost. I want to say instantly, but really short after we were we were talking high fly flows, right? High fly. I always fuck it up. High fly flows. Um, uh, and, and, and as I said earlier, we're going to see Tanahashi selling that leg now and forevermore, right? It's 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 going to be a constant theme with with Tanahashi and that and that and that and that bum wheel. So no, um, I, I like the selling. Um, I, I thought exactly like you said, it was a comeback from, it was a, and callback spot from previous matches. They're two pros. Great match. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I gave it four. I was in low fours. I don't like giving quarters because I don't even know what the fuck that means. But, yeah, I'm in, the, I'm in the fours. And I think for me that this was the match of the evening, right? Um, and if there's one must-see match from that mat, from that show, it's that. And the main event of night one and the A block, we've got Jay White defeating Kazuchika Okada. So what did you think about this match, Damon? Uh, you know what? I'm going to give it up now. So I just talked about how we had some Tongan uh, issues, and we're going to see them throughout the course of G1. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to spill my guts. I'm going to open up my heart. I'm going to tell you exactly what I feel when it comes to the Jay White. Look, I like the character work. I think I think it's 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 compelling. I think it's uh, interesting. I think he's doing a much better job than say when he debuted in, uh, in at the Tokyo Dome at Wrestle Kingdom. With that being said, Joel, I like my pro wrestling. When it's treated like a sport, I like the match element. I like competitive, fiery, great matches. That's why I watch this product. And we're not going to get that with Jay White. We're not going to get that. What we're going to get is manipulative, cunning, uh, sneaky, win at any cost, fuck uh, honor, fuck uh, strong style, whatever the fuck that means, fuck all that. 
I'm winning at any cost, Jay White. That's what we're getting, dirty heel, dickhead, Jay White. And that's troubling to me because, truth be told, I watch my pro wrestling for the sport element of it. And what's more frustrating to me is that I know that Jay White is an outstanding in-ring pro wrestler. And maybe it's on purpose, and maybe it's to, it's to rile people like me up, but I want competitive Jay White. I want great match Jay White, and I'm going to be truthful. I really have yet to see a great Jay White match. Sorry. I haven't seen it. If you have, let me know. Tap me on the shoulder. I've seen great character work. I've seen great story. I've yet to see great Jay White match. And I'll go so far as to say we've seen him in the ring with Okada. We've seen him in the ring with Tanahashi. And you have two of the greatest pro wrestlers in our lifetime. And truth be told, these were good matches. These were not great matches. Not great matches. So is your point that the character thing is holding him back from having these great matches? Yeah. It's, I, think it's, I think it's very obvious. And again, people watch pro wrestling for different reasons. And if you're the type of person that, that loves this character work and, and your pants are down over fucking you know, the switchblade and all that, good on you. I'm not going to tell you that you can't watch pro wrestling for any reason other than you like it. As long as you're paying money for the product, great. I don't care. But for me, and what I like in my pro wrestling, I ain't getting that from Jay White. It's not happening, right? And I'll go so far as to say, you got, again, two of the best pro wrestlers in our fucking lifetime, Joel. And I'm not getting it. What am I going to get against Yoshihashi? Right? I'm not getting, what am I going to get there? I, I, you, you had Okada in the first the main event. It was a good match. Don't get me wrong. Listen, I'm not, I'm not you know, you know this, is, this wasn't Dino Bravo Junkyard Dog. This was, this, was a, this was a good match. It wasn't great. It wasn't a great match. There were times I'm reaching for my phone. It's the main event of a G1. It wasn't great. Uh, and I think what we're going to see is more character work, and that, unfortunately, it does something for me. It doesn't do it for me, though. That's not why I'm watching New Japan Pro Wrestling. I would say to you that he is still young, and he's still improving, and I don't necessarily think it is the character work that's holding back from pushing into that, you know, four and a half, four and three quarter star territory. He has it in him. Joel, he has, he absolutely has it in him. You don't think Jay White, you know, I saw Jay White wrestle uh, Will Ospreay in, in New York City Ring of Honor. Uh, and that was, a, that was a tremendous match. That was better than any output that he's put out in, uh, in, in New Japan. Singles match. It's, it was better than anything I've seen. I know he has it in him. It's not because he's young. I don't believe it. I think he could do it right now if you said, give me it. Give, give, me, give me that, Jay White. He could do it right now. He's not doing it because he's doing character work. He's doing switchblade. He's doing uh, gloomy, creepy, fucking, you know, that's, that's, his, that's what we're doing. That's what we're, we're establishing here. And listen, he's getting booed out of the building. And, 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 and um, I'm, you know, the, the feedback that I'm getting, it's good boo, right? It's good boo. It's not get the fuck out of the ring boo, right? It's good boo. And so he's doing what he's what what this character work is supposed to be doing. It's establishing that he's a, that he's a jerk off the wing at when at all cost type type of guy. We're not getting four and a half out of Jay White. And again, this is against 
uh, you know, two of the, the best pro wrestlers of our lifetime, and and we're not breaking that four plateau. Yeah, I I can see your point. I what I was going to say is that he is young, and that over time he will have a, a better balance of the character and the wrestling so that the character work is not holding back the, the in-ring action. And I feel in certain matches, he's got that be- that balance uh, more to my taste. Like the Juice Robinson match at the Cow Palace, I thought he it was near on perfect there with the character work and the in-ring action because I thought it had the exciting closing stretch. It had all the, the stuff that I want to see in a NJPW uh, main event style match. So he, he is capable of doing the character work and the quality wrestling in the in at the same time but um maybe he was or both guys were they maybe they were saving themselves because it's early on in the tour and they need to uh preserve their uh their bodies because this is going to be such a grueling tour i don't know but um to me the character work uh made up for the fact that this match wasn't the the five-star classic that perhaps it could have been Uh, i love that he's still complaining about losing his belt to red shoes about the uh, illegal attack from juice robinson during the cow palace show um, he's just totally lost his mind, Okada, as, as we spoke about before. Uh, he's like a totally different wrestler. I think we're missing a, a training montage with Chucky e. T uh, bringing him over to the, the crazy side. Um, and I really love the opening tease of the Blade Runner with Jay White reminding Okada of January 6th, how he's been threatening to do this all along. And then also Okada ruffling Jay White's hair to remind him who's the boss. It, just the character work was on point here. And I, I loved it. it. It sort of made me perhaps... Uh, a bit more forgiving towards the in-ring quality of the match. Um, Okada dropping White off the top rope on the five count, letting White know uh, that he can fuck with White just as badly as White can fuck with him. And White punishing Okada every time he took his off the ball with that awesome snap Saito suplex that just comes out of nowhere. It really looks like the opponent wasn't expecting it. And I mean, most importantly, it looks like it hurts. And I think he really got over his nasty, vicious streak, driving him repeatedly into the guardrail. And I just love the bit where he was saying, Sumimasen is apologizing when putting the ring apron back after choking Okada with it and then getting applauded from the Japanese crowd. Like, absolute psychopath. And the trash talk is quality. You know, saying to him, how's your rainmaker? And then Okada just snapping and grabbing Jay White by the throat. It was just really compelling stuff. And uh, on Okada's side, I love that the scooby dooby doo crossbody is now part of his regular arsenal. I expect that to be added to Fire Pro Wrestling. Um, Jay White's offense... I don't know if this is just me, but it reminds me a little bit of Chris Benoit and the sort of the viciousness and the way it sort of comes out of nowhere. It's very sort of snappy and, and aggressive. Um, I also enjoyed the callback to the JR spot with um, Rocky Romero taking a big bump there. Um, yeah. And I thought the ref bump at the end, it made sense for the Jay White character, as did the finish, because this is a guy who, in storyline, is not as good a wrestler as those top five guys in the company. So he does need to... Um, do what he can to bend the rules to be able to beat them. Um, so I thought this was a really good match. I, I Again, I had it as three and three quarter stars. Again, it's not going to be on my shortlist for match of the year. It did go on for a bit too long. The crowd wasn't into it at first. Um, after the match, I love Jay White taking away Okada's ice pack and his promo afterwards where he was just saying to the crowd, fuck all of you. And... Jay White has been doing some great stuff on the undercards as well. There was a, a really good match between Yo and Jay White against David Finley and Hiroshi Tanahashi. I don't know if you caught that, but the finish of that, uh, Jay White gave a chair to Yo and was telling yeah. Yo, uh, encouraging him to hit David Finley with it. And Yo is in two minds like, oh, do I really want to do this? Do I want to come over to the dark side? I, I don't want to hit this guy with the chair. Fuck it, I'm not doing it. And he throws the chair away and then he turns around and immediately gets hit with a prima nocta and pinned by David Finley. And Jay White, he, he gets into the ring as if he's going to break up the count. But then he's like, 
actually, fuck it, fuck this guy. I'd rather lose the match and let him take the pinfall to punish him for his mistake. So it's just excellent, excellent stuff. Um, we had quite a lot of questions about Jay White. So I'm going to hit you with all of them and then you can just give me your thoughts on it. So Benji out okay. with the moon says, do you think Switchblade is a definite future IWGP heavyweight champion? And is he the best pure heel in all of wrestling today? Uh, at Liam Anthony Frank, is Jay White the biggest shithouse in sports or does that accolade still belong to the Colombian player trying to rough up the penalty spot when England played them? Either way, I feel shithouse is more suitable moniker than Switchblade. Uh, Joshua Heiser at Jashamon, do you think Jay will start his own faction? Hashtag Switchblade Gun. Uh, Lee Malone uh, at Malone underscore 713 what do you think the culmination of the chaos infighting will be does White take over as leader does Okada solidify his spot as boss does the group split another question from Liam Frank with all the inter-factional strife we've had lately although Gado's been reluctant to do it en masse is this the year we see more defections like Jay White or Yo and Shane at Smurf in Hell who will be the first chaos member to side with Knife Pervert he's corrupting Yo oh sweet Yo don't fall for his tricksy tricks so your thoughts Thoughts on the Switchblade character, where it goes from here and possible ramifications for splitting up factions and chaos? I'm not a big fan of splitting up anything. I think we have too many as it is, to be truthful. Um, I don't think we need another offshoot of an offshoot of an offshoot. Um, um, So it's going to be about chaos. And I think uh, at the end of the day, we're looking at an Okada-White match somewhere down the road. I don't know if that's dome-worthy as of yet. Who knows? Uh, but I think that's we're going to see something along those lines before the end of the year. Um, uh, look, I, again, look, I, just just to be clear, again, I'm loving the, the character work, and 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 I wasn't on board the character work at all um, in the beginning, and 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 I'm, and I'm on, and I think he's doing an outstanding job. And I'll tell you who this really reminds me of, and and again, if we're talking about criticisms and 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 me not quite getting things in the beginning, and, and we're talking about developing character work, it's Naito, right? I'm the guy that was, you know, shitting on Naito in the beginning of, what the fuck is this? This is nonsense. You know, and this happened right around G1, you know, when, when Naito started, you know, Los Ingobler, blah, 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 saying it up, right? And, and look at him now. So is he a future IWGP heavyweight champion? I'm going to give you a solid uh, – listen, I'll, uh, I'll give you something. At least I'm not going to be like, no fucking way, it ain't happening. Uh, I'll give you a, a solid maybe. I'll give you a solid fucking maybe right now, right? And that's better than I can say for a lot of people. Um, uh, the, the, the factions, let's keep it as it is. We're fighting over chaos, and that'll be the, that'll be the prize at the end. But, um, yeah, I think we're wait, looking at Okada and Jay White. So uh, the, the comparisons are there between him and – and and Naito, right, with the character work and maybe taking a s- step back on the in-ring work. But maybe you're right, Joel, and maybe you do have a point. And I will concede this one point, too. I think Juice and, and Jay White was a very good match as well. So uh, I'll concede that point as well. All right, there we go. Um, just your thoughts on the little spots they did with uh, Rocky Romero taking a bump and almost having oh. to pastiche the JR thing. Uh, you and Taylor asked, uh, did you catch the comment from Kevin Kelly about commentators should stay out of the ring uh, during yeah. the night one coverage. So your thoughts, do you think that they were sort of having a little dig at JR yep. and Josh Barnett there? I'm sure. I'm sure. And and again, I don't know necessarily if it was mean-spirited, but I'm sure there was... Uh, look, I don't know I don't know what Jay White is thinking about that. You know, maybe it's... Maybe they had a conversation off the record and, you know, it's been patched up and... But it's pro wrestling. So they're, they're, they're you know, there's ribbing to be had, right? And yeah, listen... You know, nobody's shitting in Jr.'s hat, right? Um, you know, we're just uh, we're poking a little fun at a at a 
at a situation that, listen, I will say this, though. Two things about that. And again, I don't want to get on a JR rant and all this. One, I, I think it's unbelievable that 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 he's going to tweet out something. What was it? The nitpickers nitpicking and a bunch yeah. of people nitpicking. OK, right. well, all right. Well, well, not for nothing. And again, this might be, you know, music Damon. Right? This might be uh, gatekeeper gate Damon. But where the fuck were you in, in 2000? Right. When I was watching the dregs of New Japan pro wrestling. Right. Jr. Right. Uh, you, you seem to catch on to a really hot product at a really hot time. Just not for nothing. I'll, and I'll leave it. And Josh Burnett, I mean, you're gonna you're, if this legitimately is 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 you know. And again, everybody's saying that it's it's a shoot. You're gonna hop in the fucking ring, right during a match. What what planet are you on? What, what? you're gonna you're gonna take off your headphones and you're gonna get into the ring. And that's where I was kind of like, this can't possibly be because wouldn't somebody come in the ring and be like, get the fuck out of the ring? Or you didn't really see that. Um, so I th- again, I, I, th- I thought if if that's the case, man, that was that was really unprofessional, really unprofessional. So uh, again, that's why I'm still a little bit skeptical as to the 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 the, the actual you know shoot shootiness of it. But um, yeah, apparently it is, and yeah, listen, people are gonna have to poke a little fun at it. I got no problem with that. I, actually, I thought it was pretty funny. So good, for, good for good for uh, Kev and 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 Don and Rocky. Good for them. Okay, so let's move on to night two, July fifteenth at Ota City General Gymnasium in Tokyo. Uh, B block. We've got Tomohiro Ishii defeating Toriyano, which is their first G1 meeting. And mm. up until this point, they had the exact same total points in the G1, which is remarkable. And I really enjoyed this. I love strong style Yano um, showing his respect for Ishii and trying to do things the right way. It was a really cool inversion of their usual roles. And um, the crowd were massively into Toriyano wrestling. And yeah. I like the story here that Ishii knew Yano too well and used his tricks against him. Um, so we've got some questions here. Uh, Brian C. at Galactiva. How many ring out victories do you expect Yano to score in the G1? Uh, Shredrick Chopin at Chaz underscore Munro. Did you pop at the Yano fighting spirit spots like when he no-sold that suplex? Uh, Sandy Dash Williamson at Downward Spirals. Could we see Yano do a Taguchi and attempt to wrestle straight once a year? I'd be okay with him dicking about for 11 months if we get some amateur wrestling genius from the Sublime Master Thief. And at Wintz Lesk, is Yano giving up his cheating ways? The breakout story of G1. It's pretty good so far, especially the resulting low blow from Ishii. So what did you think about this match and Toriyano playing it straight? Yeah, I loved it. It was because it was a pleasant surprise. It, you, I don't think anybody was really expecting it, and when you saw it, you were like, you know, it, it was, you know, it is kind of like the the Taguchi thing, where you know, when it's time to shine and be serious, it, it can be pretty awesome and pretty cool. Um, again, there there are people that like the comedy Yano, and I'm sure that were that were disappointed. And you had little tastes of it throughout the match, you know, where he, you know, he almost fell back into bad patterns and bad habits and. You know, he's trying to rip off turnbuckles and padding and shit like that. But, uh, yeah, it was kind of funny that, you know, the tables turned with uh, Ishii. It, it was a low blow, wasn't it, that, that that scored the pinfall, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. So there you go. Um, I, I liked it. I thought it. I thought it was different. I thought it was fun. Um, again, some of the spots, you know, you did kind of sit up in your chair thinking, you know, you wouldn't expect. Um, I don't know if it's the story of G1, but um, I, let's put it this way. I, uh, I'm curious to see him uh, in Cork and Hall and uh, to see what, what output we'll see from him uh, there uh, as we move along in the tournament. 
All right, our next match then in the B block was Tamatonga defeating Juice Robinson. Uh, we have a lot of questions mm. about Tamatonga, mm. but uh, first of all, what did you think of this? All right, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you this out of the gate. Every well, not every year, but in the years that he's been in G1, and even the years that he wasn't in G1, how many fucking times have we heard? Oh, he, this guy's good, and this guy's got talent, and this guy's got this, and this guy's got that, and blah, 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 and just give him a chance and put him in a G1, and blah, 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 blah. I've yet to see it. I've yet to see. I've yet to see this great breakout performance from Tama Tonga. I, I, I mean, come on. This was, this was a prime opportunity. Now, I, I will say this, too. I'm a little bit disappointed um, that – these two guys weren't able to to put it together uh, because this is a spotlight, and 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 I had it circled. I was looking forward to watching it and seeing it and seeing what they could do. I want them to do well. Like I want, I, I'm listen. Uh, uh, I'm one of those guys that are, that that's sitting here waiting for this breakout performance, and I'm not sitting here like wagging my finger saying, "Oh, you fucking suck." No, I'm not doing that. I'm saying, "Come on, give me that great performance that everybody's saying that you got." I haven't seen it yet. It hasn't happened yet. Um, Juice, look, uh, um, I, look, the, Juice is, is is growing every single day. But, you know, it's not like he's, you know, this is his first time in a ring either. It's kind of hard at this point in time to start giving him a pass on, mm, this is G1. I'm sorry. I, I, you know, that to me, I, I was expecting a lot more. This This match was probably... Not probably. Well, the Jay White stuff is, was a little bit of a disappointment. But again, I know we're talking character work and all that. To me, this was this was this was this was the disappointment of the G one so far. This match was the disappointment of G one so far for me. Yeah, I agree with that. To me, what I wrote down in my notes watching this is it felt like a match from Raw. Yeah, um, and now I kind of like the presentation of Tamatonga. He seems more intimidating now with his snarls and his growls, and I love Juice Robinson screaming, "Eat shit!" and punching Tangler in the face. And it was fine. There was nothing structurally wrong with it. There weren't any botches or anything. But again, I hate the interference. It's lazy, and just the match wasn't great. And the longer this goes on, with Tamatonga failing to deliver on the big stage like this. Uh, we're going to start to lose faith in him and think, well, actually, he's not capable of delivering those big matches. And this just adds to that case here because um, I just didn't like the match, didn't like the finish. Um, I mean, Tama getting the win, I don't know if he gets a US title shot at some point. I don't know if they will have another go at it and possibly do better the next time. But uh, we had a lot of correspondence for one Tama Tonga. So Pete Donahue at comms underscore Pete. Seems like Tama Tonga has gotten a few chances to be a breakout star in NJPW. Do you think his Bullet Club will ultimately add another heavyweight wrestler to their group who could be seen as a bona fide ace or will it just be built around G.O.D. and Bad Luck Farley? Uh, Ryan Generico, how can they improve this firing squad faction if Tama, their leader, continues to suck? At Mike Daisley, how did you feel about the interference in the two firing squad matches? I hate to see it in G1. I'm already sick of the faction because it's really um, began to... Oh, I think I've deleted the rest of the tweet there by accident. <laughs> uh, not a fan <laughs> of the interference, though. Uh, Ethan at Swamp Camelot. Can you see this Tamatonga push going anywhere? I don't see him as anywhere near main event talent. I'd much rather see guys like Finley, Hanare, and Chase Owens in higher spots uh, on the cards. Uh, Tama and Tangelo does absolutely nothing for me. But coming from a different angle, Nicole, uh, as some others on tweets have noted, the, with the firing squad going back to old 
school bullet club interference and Kota ready to murder all who cross his path uh, just how insane do you think the Tama Tonga Ibushi match is going to be unless Tama absolutely shits the bed could this be the breakout match uh, so my answer to that would be um, based on what we've seen so far I'm not going to hold my breath for anything brilliant from Tama Tonga so uh, anything in response to all those questions about Tama Tonga yeah, it, look, I think the proof's in the pudding, right? And and the proof is in those tweets. Look, I, I'm, I'm not sitting here on an island trying to be hot take Damon, right? I'm not trying to fucking, you know, cause waves. I'm not. These, I mean, look, look at all, I mean, you're rattled off eight, nine, ten people that share the same opinion. And again, I want it to be good. I want it to be great, right? Um, it's just not there. And, and I've yet to see it. It's just, I just yet to see it. So uh, again, I I think it's physically impossible, physically impossible to have a bad match with Tom with um, Kota Obushi, physically impossible, right? Um, you can have an okay match with him, right? You can have an okay match with him. You could have a good match. You could have a great match. Look, just 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 shut me up. Shut all those people that tweeted us. Shut them up. I know, I know you don't give a fuck. I know what a, shut, shut us all up and just do it because we know it's there. We feel like it's there. And if it's not, it's not. We haven't seen it yet. Hook us up. You got Kota Abushi. Have a great match. It's G1. It's not some road to show in the middle of nowhere. Make it happen. Come on. You can do it. I know you can. And I think more to the point, if I wanted to see screwy finishes with interference and DQs and stuff, I would go and watch a different company. It's not something I want to see in New Japan. And uh, I get that they're doing it to build the heel heat, but um, we saw in last year's G1 that Tamatonga is capable of having decent matches. There wasn't anything great, but I remember his match with Kenny Omega being pretty good. But just the way I see this playing out is that uh, all of his matches are going to have some sort of interference and it's just not something that interests me. That's sort of to change the channel heat, not oh yep. you naughty cheating heel kind of heat. Yeah, um, and, and no matter and, and no matter what happens during that match, when that shit happens, it takes you right out of the match, doesn't it? It's instant absolutely. deflation. It's instant oh fuck, you were doing so well. And then this this is my payoff? Come on. So again, you're right. We're, we're it, it's it's we're we're making them the dirtiest, nastiest heels we possibly can do. But you know, let's 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 keep these DQs, chairs, bullshit ref bumps to a minimum, please. We're begging you. Interesting question um, at the subtle doctor: Are the white things on Juice Robinson's pants coffee filters? I don't know. <laughs> no. So for those uh, not from the state, I mean, he's playing the role of a patriot, right? So uh, you know, like a like the powdered wig kind of dude back in the infancy of our great nation. Um, so that's that the frill is that. So it's like kind of a, the George Washington, Thomas Jefferson kind of thing. That that's that's what he's going for there. Okay, next match then. Hiroki Goto beat Sonata. Uh, I thought the first half of this, again, was pretty slow to get going, but the second half was great. There were some awesome reversals in there. Like the last two minutes in particular was outstanding. Both of these guys were fired up, which was a relief for me because they can sometimes phone it in depending on their opponent. I went three and a half stars on this. I really, really enjoyed this match. I thought they had great chemistry together. Um, I've got a question at final underscore flash 22. It's no secret that Sonata has huge potential. Does he take the next step during this G1? He's lined up with great opportunity, especially with guys like Omega and Naito in B-Block. But we'll say that probably the matchup I'm most eager to see is his match with Ibushi. Thoughts? So what did you think of this match and uh, prospects of Sonata going forward? 
fucking awesome. I loved it. I thought Goto was amazing. I thought Sonata, this is one of my favorite performances from him uh, in New Japan. I thought he was on fire. I thought he had energy and life and spark and um, still maintained within his character. It wasn't like he turned into Ricky Morton overnight, but he had fire and passion, it felt like. Uh, and I thought he was on point. Goto, again, big spot. He almost always delivers Goto. Again, people can debate back and forth about, you know, if he's dry, if he needs it, you know, if, 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 if he, you know, is flashy enough or if he de- he's solid and he delivers at every every opportunity he gets tapped on the shoulder. Um, and, and um, you know, I think he's got, I think he's got Kenny Omega uh, at one of these Cork and Hall shows main event. And so that's going to be great. No, I thought this was fantastic. I actually went four on this. Um, I, I thought this was great. I didn't, I didn't think the beginning was boring. I thought everything top to bottom was fantastic. Um, fin- again, the last five minutes were, were, were fantastic. Um, yeah, this could be a breakout performance from Sonata if we get performances like this. And lucky for him, he's in the B block, which is, you know, he's got plenty of opportunity with great talent. So this, this might be what you're looking for if, you, if you're a Sonata fan. Okay, excellent stuff from both men. Uh, next match then, B-Block, Kota Ibushi defeats Zack Sabre Jr. What did you think about this one? Oh, I mean, come on. This was this was fantastic. Again, you're working a, a you know, finger lock, test of strength, and made it so interesting and compelling. And I, I'm sorry, I say it all the time, but he's just magical. Like, it's just like watching a... a, a a guitarist or a, a a a a classically trained violinist or an artist, a painter, just the what he's able to create in the ring and that and and just so te- again, there was only a handful of spots that were even somewhat remotely and I put in air quotes dangerous. It was all relatively safe stuff, but he just does it in a fashion and a way that just blows you away and it captivates you and it's mesmerizing. Um, and Kota Bushi, it's, here's the thing. It's, it feels to me like they are the perfect match, those two. Like, those two guys, um, like, physically and what they can do. Like, here's the thing. Like, Zach can be creative with his submissions and his leg locks and, and all that. But, the like, here's where Kota Obushi and his flexibility really pays off. Because there were times where legs should not be bending in certain ways. And he's he's making it happen. And, again, that has a lot to do with his to steal a JR phrase, his athleticism, I can't even say it, his athleticism. Um, I went, I didn't give it the full marks. I'll be truthful. I didn't go full marks, but this was really close to full marks. Um, You know, after this match was over, you know, you had Kenny and you had Naito, right, right, right breathing down their necks backstage waiting to go out. And you knew that was going to be great. But I got to be honest, when that match ended, uh, I, I I was sitting there thinking this is this is this one's going to be really hard to top. Um, now whether they did it or not, we'll find out in a moment. But I, I look, I, th- these two are some of the my favorite pro wrestlers right now, currently. And I thought they had a magical match, man. Um, creative and fun and interesting and and compelling, and had me edge of my seat. And 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 what what did they go? Seventeen minutes. Um, it, it felt like it went five. It felt it, there was at no time was I bored or or kind of looking away or looking for my phone. They were, they had me hooked the whole time, man. They're just so fucking good. And again, B Block is going to be awesome with both those guys. 
Yeah, this was the Cruiserweight Classic final that should have been. Yeah. And thank God that both guys didn't sign for WWE. Um, also, I liked Gary, uh, Zach Sabre Jr. in his post-match interviews putting over Gareth Southgate, the manager of the England national football team. And yeah, I just agree with everything you said. This match was awesome. There was a really nice synchronicity to the opening few minutes with them mirroring each other's moves and a really cool dynamics between the power strikes of Ibushi and the technique of Zach Sabre Jr. And his chain submissions are just mesmerizing to watch. It's almost like a lava lamp. There's no one else quite like him in wrestling. And also reminds me a bit of Nate Diaz. Like I love locking on a submission and then posing whilst he's doing it. <laughs> and um, I love the reversals. It's, it almost had to feel like an MMA match. But so the reversals of Zach Sabre Jr. learns people's moves each subsequent time he faces them again and he develops counters for them, like him dragging Ibushi off the top turnbuckle before the Golden Triangle moonsault, yeah. dragging him into a heel hook. That was just excellent stuff. And they had a really cool strike exchange, like the leg kicks against the slaps. And Ibushi shows some real fire. And there were some moments where Ibushi had this smoldering look on his face, like getting right up into Zach Sabre Jr.'s grill that, I don't you dare say it, a little bit horny. So a little bit of sexual tension there um, and this match it, it did get a bit sloppy towards the end but that didn't really hurt it there was a moment where they lost their balance and tumbled into the ropes but that's something you expect to see in a wrestling match um, as people get tired as it goes on so a few yeah. questions here uh, Bushilai's matter at Ingobernables 20 is Kota hotter than Tokyo Latina the answer is yes uh, Ryan the answer is no <laughs> <laughs> Ryan at RV I'm calling it right now Ibushi kicks out of the one winged angel during their G1 match wins the G1 thus setting up tension for Wrestle Kingdom so well they had this they're, they're, they're in the semi-finals right or they're, they're in the are. final yeah yeah they're like they're I mean that I mean, that's going to be significant as we move on, right? That that last match, those two together, that's going to play a factor in this. So I want to be surprised. I want to be surprised if you see that that the one guy's going to kick out of a one-winged angel, might be that guy. So okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, main event, we got Kenny Omega defeating Tetsuya Naito. And uh, Damon, your thoughts on this match? Um, look, what, what? I mean, the internet blew up. What a fucking great match. An, an unbelievable match. And, you know, a lot of people talk about Okada and Omega's trilogy. How about the Naito trilogy with Omega? Uh, fuck it. I, I, I was blown away. They gave us a Wrestle Kingdom main event on night two of G1. Night two. I mean, we got, we got weeks to go here, kid. What are we, we're, we're not going to make it. That They put on a performance that, dare I say, was one of the best G1 performances. You know, that's going to rank right up there with some of the greatest G1 matches of all time. It was, it was stellar. Uh, listen, I know that there were people online that, that, that gave it five. Um, I listened to, to, to Big Dave, and again, he didn't tip his cap or tip his, you know, tip his car, whatever the fuck I'm trying to say. I'm excited. It was a fucking great match. Yes, I went five. I went five. You feel five. You feel five in your fucking stomach. You feel five in your chest. You feel five by jumping out of your chair and getting emotional and, 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 and not being able to fall back asleep and, and, and wanting to talk to friends and wanting to get on a microphone and call Joel in the middle of the night and be like, let's do a fucking podcast now. That's five, right? I felt five. That's all I wanted out. Uh, you know, that's all I wanted to do was talk about this match. And I never want to talk about pro wrestling. You know what I want to talk about pro wrestling? With you. That's it. That's all I want to do. Because I do this show and that's it. It gets it out of my system. And that's it. I wanted to talk pro wrestling to everyone. I wanted to talk. I'm talking to my wife about this 
this this this match. She doesn't give a shit, but I'm talking about it. That's five. I gave this five. Great match. Five stars. Outstanding job by both of them. Yeah, I totally echo that. I went four and three quarters only because for me, to go full five, there's got to be something big at stake. It's got to be a big title match or a final or something. And night two of the G1 doesn't quite have that for me, but everything else was just perfect. This was an insane match, some absolutely breathtaking feats of athleticism. Um, we got a lot of questions as well about this. Uh, Ryan Generico, how does this Omega Naito match rank to their previous two? Steven Jackson at DJ. 215, do you think Kenny Omega is already on his way to having the best single G1 performance ever? TJ at Aspit underscore says, since pretty much everyone was wrong in thinking Naito was going to be one of the people to beat Omega in the G1, who do you think will? I still think Tatma will to set up a match at the US show, but I don't know who else could now if not Naito. So your thoughts about that. So how does it rank to their previous matches? Um, Kenny Omega having the best G1 ever, and who do you think actually beats Omega in this G1 to set up title challenges? Well, a little early for best G one talk. I mean, let's 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 let some other things play out. But it's you know on paper, it's it's he's got the opponents where he possibly could. I mean, he's got Goto coming up right around the corner. We still have Abushi down the road. So no, I mean it's it, Sonata and it, it, it could possibly be. I mean, he, listen, he started out great. Right, we're we're on a good pace. Um, eh, who who's going to beat Okada or excuse me Omega? I had. You know, in my blocks, I had him. Um, did I have him losing this match? I did. I, I actually had Naito winning, so I didn't do well there. Um, and I have him. I have him losing to Ibushi. Right? I have him losing to Ibushi, costing him going into the finals. To be quite truthful, um, so that th- those are my picks of where he picks up some pinfall losses. I don't think Tamatanga. I would be shocked if Tamatanga got a win over Kenny Omega. I really would. I. I, I that that one's going to be hard to swallow, but um, yeah, that those where I think those losses are going to go. Um, I think that answered everything, right? Yeah. And how did you compare this Omega Naito oh. match with the previous one? So last year's G one final and the I think it was the G one semi final the year before that. Yeah, semi final was really great. That one was that one was that seemed a little bit more Takahashi ish esque, you know, it seemed a little bit more balls to the wall. Um, where this one was more of a, I don't want to say a, less of a sprint, but still it had sprinty moments. I like this one a lot. It might just be because it's fresh in my head. This one's got to be at least the second best, uh, if not the first. If somebody came to me and said this was the first, I wouldn't argue. Um, I might like the, the the G1 semifinal better. Um but on, uh, right now, I mean, it's 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 at the very least two. It's not the third. It's definitely two. I've got a few questions about Naito at Big T H W E. Is this going to be a waste of a year for Naito? He failed at Wrestle Kingdom. He won the IC belt when he didn't need to, lost it, and now isn't starting off well in G1. I'm thinking he's yeah. a non-factor for the rest of the year. Uh, at the Subtle Doctor, do you feel the continual losing in big spots this year has or will hurt Naito? And at NJPW Thoughts, with Naito losing to Omega and therefore not likely uh, being able to challenge for the title in the fall, is he now your odds-on favourite to win the G1? So coming up from a different angle there. So where does this lead Naito? It's a great question. I mean, it feels like he's, you know, especially this year at least, and, and, and we're halfway through. I mean, listen, we're, you know, we're, almost midway through July kids. Um, it's, it's, it's weird. You know, he feels like he's, he's the new Goto, right? The guy who can't win the big one, the guy who can't 
cross you know he listen he, he's held the the big the big boy belt but you know that was that seems like it was ages ago doesn't it feels like it was eons ago eons is that the word i'm i'm, I'm the king of yes. i'm making up okay i feel <laughs> like i'm right. making up it's a lot wrong. of words today oh thank god yeah right um every once in a while i'm like a broken clock i'm right two times a day <laughs> um yeah it does feel like he's the guy that just uh you know a day late and a dollar short um so uh, for naito fans yeah you got to be scratching your head on this one I, I i hadn't penciled in as a win so you can't blame me on this one okay well let's move on to the next night which uh monday july the 16th in hokkaido prefectural sports center uh, we started off the G1 matches with Michael Elgin uh, defeating Hangman Page. I thought this match was Great. awesome. I loved it. Page is so athletic. Just little things like him landing on his feet from the released German suplex. And there was also a moment where they both went to the top rope and they teased something really dangerous, but they didn't. And they came down from the rope in the end. And I, I love when they do that. I love when they tease a really deadly spot, but don't deliver it because it just builds that uncertainty and um, leaves you guessing when they do go up is something deadly going to happen here? Um, there were just some incredible spots here, like uh, the top rope Hurricane Rana, the, the powerbomb tease, and then that reverse back into the Hurricane Rana, uh, drop kicks, just the awesome offense from both guys. The crowd seemed really into Hangman here. He just needs to work on his charisma, uh, his character, because the in-ring stuff for me is all there. He could deliver a really great match. And I also enjoyed Elgin's kick combo. That was very impressive. Um, yeah. I loved Hangman spitting on Elgin and then Elgin, just that look on his face and he took off his elbow pads, looking at him like, you know, the Josh Barnett, you done fucked up now. And like I said, just awesome reversals, back and forth, the back elbows into the release Tiger suplex. Just Hangman Page is so smooth in ring. This was an excellent match. They worked it like it was the main event. Are you in agreement on that? Yeah. Uh, look, to me, you got if you're talking MVP of, and again, it's early. If you're talking MVP of, of that block, he's got to be in the discussion, Mike. Right? Got to yeah. be in the discussion. Agreed. Uh, another, another great performance. You know, they've worked together, I'm sure, many times. I, I think it was uh, on a commentary. They made a point to, to mention that, you know, they started out in the same um, – training seminar or, or, or camp or what have you at, at Ring of Honor at the same time. Um, and it was kind of funny because Kevin Kelly was kind of like, oh, you know, you guys are going to make it someday, but maybe not now, <laughs> you know. Um, and then and, and look at them now. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it felt like, you know, a, 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 a match that, to me, was, was very American-style pro wrestling. Like, to me, uh, this was pro wrestling gorilla, right? This was, um, you know, Ebola match. That's that's what it felt like to me. Um, Page was was tremendous. Again, he's becoming a guy very quickly that I'm looking forward to seeing more and more. Um, they, they had nice chemistry. I, I kind of knew that this was going to be a, a a good solid match. Um, and you're right, I do like those spots. Those those holy shit, what the fuck are they thinking spots? And then, you know, they come to their senses and something else happens. But, yeah, um, I, look, in that block right now, Big Mike's got my MVP. Sorry. Yeah, I I'm, I'm agree there. I think both matches he's delivered, and um, those are with people that 
are not on the upper echelon of quote-unquote great workers. So he's still got big matches to come with guys like Tanahashi, Suzuki, uh, Okada. So definitely uh, a lot to look forward to with uh, Medium Mike and his G1 output. Um, let's yep. go on to the next match. Then we've got Evil beat Yoshihashi. And I'd like your thoughts on this, please. Uh, good. Uh, you know, um, it wasn't great. Uh uh, solid, you know what I mean. Like, like I, I don't, I don't, I, I can't. I'm, I'm really trying to rack my brain on, on the high quality spots, and it didn't feel like there were a tremendous amount of them. But I thought it was a solid match. I thought it was good. Uh, nothing particularly stood out to me. Um, Yoshihashi taking the fall, so again, he's going to struggle getting points. And yeah, it was, it was, it was decent and good. That's a hot take right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, some of these matches you just you're not going to have a hot take. You don't need what to have a hot take. It, it was fine. Um Yoshihashi to me he's wrestling like a man who knows that his G1 spot is under fire. Uh I liked uh, their little inadvertent tribute to the 2005 Royal Rumble finish when they both tumbled out of the ring, but uh as I said on Twitter we didn't get Harold May storming out to bust his quads and, and yell at them whilst sitting like ah. a, a child who's just shit his nappy. Um, like I said before, Yoshi actually needs to get rid of that butterfly lock. It doesn't look like it hurts, but uh, it was a good yeah. match. Good little story. Seemed to be Yoshihashi's got the heart, but not the skill to hang in the G1 with the big boys. Uh, if I was in charge, I would end him with zero points, give him a goose egg, and then he has to earn his way back in next year. Ah, oh, look at you. Pay, you got to pay the price to get in there. Okay, good. Um, yeah, I, I three stars. That's where I'm at with this one. Okay, uh, next match, Togi Makabe with a, a surprise victory for some uh, over Minoru Suzuki. Uh, as expected, this was a big brawl. Uh, I found the chair duel quite entertaining. Uh, this was a good match. I don't think it was quite as good, good as their 46th anniversary show match that they had for the IC title. And a bit of an upset result, but I like the unpredictability of it because you kind of expect, okay, well, Suzuki's lost his first match and Makabe's won his first match, so I guess Suzuki's going to win this and even it up in two points each. But we, we didn't get that, and I like the fact that it keeps us guessing. Uh, what did you think about this match? I loved it. I, and again, I think Makabe outperformed what I had on. Like going into this match, I got. I can't be. You know, I, I can't lie and say that I was super excited for it. On paper, it didn't sound like. You know, sound like a hard hitting, beefy match, but it didn't sound like. You know, the the energy and 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 the and the passion that was there was was this. Listen, if they're going to take a night off, this kind of sounded like a night off match to me. Um, they didn't take a night off. They were beating the shit out of each other for, at, a, at a point. Um, the brawling was was on point, um, and, and 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 you know the one one of the bigger. I don't want to say get look. The guy is uh, is what Suzuki's fifty. Um, Makabe's what forty five. I think. Um, you know, we're expecting a lot out of people who compete in G one. You know, let's face facts here. Makabe, his his singles matches to you know again to get the to tap on the shoulder and to get out there and to perform at that level, you know, without really having the body of work for this calendar year under his belt is is pretty remarkable. Um, and again, even though and again I put this in air quotes, even though it is a brawl and sometimes brawls they can seem to take it easy. And again, air quote they did not. This is a hard hitting stiff brawl. Kevin Kelly did a great job putting this over. Um, and the surprise win, you know, I, I, I had this as a loss for, for Makabe. Um, uh, King Kong knee drop, one, two, three. And then here's another thing, too. This could have very easily been King Kong knee drop kick out, and it wasn't. 
we protect finishes, and I love that. You get hit with a King Kong knee drop, you're fucked. You get hit with a bad bad luck fall, you're fucked. You get hit with a rain, you're fucked. Right? I I love that element. Again, he hit it, and it was like you you, you felt good. I felt good that Suzuki didn't kick out. I felt good. Um, shocking to me. I don't want to say shocking. Surprising, yes. Again, I had Suzuki penciled in, and again, Suzuki has no points. That 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 is more surprising to me than anything. Him Okada with no points. That's that's pretty. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, I agree. Um, so moving on, as you mentioned, Okada, bad luck. Farley beat Kazuchika Okada. Uh, what were your thoughts on this? Um, they always seem to have good chemistry, right? If anybody's going to pull a great match out of out of Fale, it's an Okada or a Tanahashi. So I, I don't think there's any mistake and or anything that was you know just by chance that Fale's in that same block. We're going to have some decent matches. They know how to pull them out of them. Uh, I thought this was good. I don't know if it was a great match, uh, but it was good. Fale is is Fale, and he's and he's limited in what he can do. But what he does, I think he does pretty well. Um, I'm I, listen. I'm more shocked that we're looking at Okada with, with no points. Um, I, I would have thought again. I'm not saying he's going to go on a run, and it does kind of tell continue the story of him struggling. Yeah, the guy hasn't had a, a singles win since what May June. Um, it's been it's been a while since he's since he's won a singles match. Well, on the topic, um, which we've is, got a question. Sorry to interrupt from no, Dan at no, South Amanda. Will Okada get any points in this G1? Oh, come on. Please. <laughs> He's getting points. I mean, do you honestly, in your heart of hearts, think that he's walking away with zero points? Come on. That ain't happening. Watch him. Zero points. <laughs> zero points. But yeah, I agree with you. This Okada, to me, is much more interesting to me than champion Okada. And I liked in this match that he was dabbling a bit of this shithousery like he taking a few leaves out of Jay White's book, like slapping Farley on the head and running away, uh, teasing the golden triangle moonsault only to taunt Farley in the middle of the ring. Okada's a really funny guy. He's got a good uh, sense of comedy and he hasn't been able to show that much as the super serious champion. So it's refreshing to see him getting to show that side of him. Um, the interference sucks. I think we've talked about that before. I don't like it, but um, we're going to be seeing a lot more of it. So get used to it, uh, even though I think it's unworthy of New Japan. But there you go. Um, I mean, Tangelo is managing to spoil a G1 that he isn't even in. Uh, but even in spite of that, this is one of the better Farley matches. Um, and Okada makes a really entertaining baby face. Like, how can you not cheer for this guy? Yeah, he's great. I mean, look, uh, I, the only thing that I, that I question is, again, I think on on commentary they were making you know points of oh you know he's carefree he doesn't have the belt you know he's uh, smiling and he wanted to make a point of smiling like I don't get that from this 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 character I get more of I'm I'm lost and and I don't know what to do with myself and I'm I'm heartbroken and I'm depressed and I'm um, I'm just trying to push through and and find my groove again. Um, I don't get this, you know, oh, I'm carefree and, and I don't have the weight of the world on my back anymore and I can be goofy Okada for a little bit. I don't think this doesn't this doesn't look to me like goofy Okada. This looks to me like, holy fuck, I'm, I'm spinning out of control Okada. Yeah, or like putting a brave face on the fact that he's experiencing a lot of yeah. pain and trauma. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 what I get anyway. So, uh, I mean, maybe they're trying to steer me in the right direction, but that, when I look at it, that's what I say. 
Okay, and move on to the main event. Uh, Switchblade Jay White beat Hiroshi Tanahashi. Um, I love that Jay White came out with this smug little grin on his face right at the start, which I'm sure was his way of gloating in the fact that Okada had just lost to Farley. So this is two main events in a row for Jay White and two main event wins with him you know, cutting the post-match promo in front of the crowd. Uh, it's a pretty methodical match. Again, lots of psychology and Jay White getting his win back from Wrestle Kingdom. And I think this was a better match than the Wrestle Kingdom match because Jay White's more comfortable and confident with the Switchblade character. Um, so what did you think of this? Yeah, I agree. Um, again, I don't want to beat the dead horse like I like to do, but character work is becoming spot on. It's becoming really entertaining and, and interesting and a, and a great dynamic. Um, I, I did not put this at four stars. I'm sorry, I didn't. Um, I, I thought this was re- very good. I didn't have it at four. Um, and, and again, I'm not saying it was boring. I'm not saying it was dull. I'm not saying it was shit. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying it wasn't great. And, and, and I'm just trying to be fair. It wasn't great. It wasn't a G1 main event great match. Um, yeah, but here, here's the thing, too, that New Japan does. They don't fuck around when it comes to making a commitment to a guy, right? Two back-to-back main events for Jay White, right? Getting big wins over big names in the company, the biggest names in the company, right? We're not we're not messing around. We're not fucking. We're not dilly dallying. We're not we're not we're not just sticking our toes in the pool. They 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 push you in, and it's sink or swim. And he's going to make it work because he's got no other choice. Um, and again, maybe this is a Naito situation where we're going to develop a character. We're going to we're going to work that till it's we're blue in the face, and then slowly but surely we're going to come back to over fours and 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 really high quality main events that we know we can deliver. Okay, question from Tyler Fornes: Does the Jay White does the way that Jay White won his first two G One matches hurt him in any way, or only keeps enhancing his presence as a heel? Um, the more the latter, I think. I mean, it's 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 a work in progress. It's just not for me right now. It's not giving me what I want. But who the fuck cares what I want, right? Um, it's it's about the long term build of of the character. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, question at Travis Zick: After watching both blocks' first matches, well, actually, he sent this before night three. Uh, why is the A block terrible? Do you subscribe to this mm-hmm. that the A block is uh, significantly no. worse than B block? I mean. It's not as good as B. B. B has the sexier marquee matchups, right? It has the the ones that get your get you all excited, right? When you wake up in the morning or or, or late at night, come home from work and pop it on. Um, but I think the A block has delivered in 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 many regards. Um, not maybe again. It's hard to beat that that night too. That night too is just tremendous. And night four on paper sounds really nice too. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I get where people are saying. I don't think it sucks though. I think it's I think it's still solid. Okay, we've got a couple of questions before we get out of here. Uh, Nathan Peters at Razor underscore Nathan. Between Jay White, Juice Robinson, or Adam Page, who do you think would be the first of those guys to get a Wrestle Kingdom main event? And then the same thing for Ibushi, Evil, and Sonata. I'm gonna say Sonata on in that group. Um, well, maybe Ibushi because I I still think it's going to be. Kenny and Ibushi at Wrestle Kingdom. Um, that's that's where I kind of have my chips. So I'll go with that one. I'll go Ibushi. Um, what, was, what was my first one? Hangman, who and who? Jay White, Juice Robinson, Adam Page. Jay White. Jay White. I mean, listen, they're going all in on Jay White. Let's 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 not make any bones about. It. He's they're go, we're going all in on Jay White. He's okay. he's had he's headlined 
shows. He's 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 beating top guys. There, he's he's going to be a guy. And then the next question on the similar lines at Musa underscore E underscore Pestana. If Omega is the Gaijin ace, whom, who are the second, third, and fourth most over babyface Gaijins among the Japanese fans? Oof. I mean, you'd have to ask the Japanese fans on that one. Um, um, Gaijin-wise, I mean, here's the thing, you know, and I can only go by what I see. I mean, obviously, Omega is up there. Um Juice is up there, right? Juice is up there. Elgin is Elgin's weird in the sense that every time that I would see Elgin out on the streets in, in Japan, he would always have a flock of people around him, like just, and he would just be signing for for like a long time. Like we went, um, you know, the day of day of Wrestle Kingdom, we we met up with him, and he it was just like constant, and he was cool, you know, he was. You know, he just knew that was part of the deal. I mean, you know, that's just my experience. So I think, you know, just from what I see with my own eyes, I was pretty – like, we were joking about it. It was pretty pretty intense. Um, so I would probably say Juice is up there. Um, I mean, maybe maybe in Elgin. Jay White's up there. Jay, Jay White, you know, he's becoming – you know, he's becoming good heel. He's getting booed in every fucking building. Um, and, it's, and I think it's a good boo. It's not a bad boo. Okay, and last question then for you at Smiley3219. Have your thoughts on who is going to win the G1 changed since the first few days? It has not. Um, I, I've still gone with Abushi uh, beating Omega in their block, and I have Okada beating... Who do I have Okada beating? 